What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Season Gaming Bitcast, episode 266. I am your host, Ainsley Bowden, joined by the... Uh, I don't know what word I was going to say there, but the awesome mm. Thai guy, Travis, and Mr. Hogue Law. Uh, Agent 48 is off on a mission this week, so he will not be with us. But the three of us are going to hold it down for you. we got a lot to talk about. Agent Gentlemen. 48. That photo I felt like you were going to say illustrious, but just couldn't do it. Illustrious, yeah, yeah that's, that's he, he was you to say illustrious, and then he was like, That's too nice. And yeah, right. That's a that <laughs> also, doesn't start the show in the way we need it to start, you know. What I, I mean, I have to say, Dan does not look like Agent 48 in that photo. <laughs> that, that looks like a news photo of the guy from Reddit who shot some people for sure. That's <laughs> hey, it's probably user, both. It's probably both. <laughs> Reddit user Agent 48 was last seen in front of the Kmart with a rifle. <laughs> Any information? <laughs> oh my god, too true. Guys, how we doing? Doing good. Looking forward to talking games this morning, Ains games yeah 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 i'm feeling a little out of it so if i start to stumble over words just jump in um but yeah dan's out this week we got we do have a lot to talk about actually um but i want to celebrate something guys in case you didn't know everyone watching this is hoag's final week of rehabilitation that is true i don't think i've publicly talked about that very much i'm very sorry in case you didn't want to talk about that (laughs) out of you not at all i did i outed you um i think i thought it was something to celebrate so i was happy for you yes well we're going to be taking a break from rehabilitation at least um so this is the final week for a while probably a couple months at least and that's that's something exciting to celebrate certainly yeah for sure for sure if we're up to me I'd be like, this guy is not rehabilitated. <laughs> Have you seen his game takes? Um, yes. more- Travis, I'd be committed for the next six months. Yeah. This is true. This is true. This is true. There's more we can do for this man, surely. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to celebrate that. Sorry, Hogue, if you didn't want to talk about it, I apologize. No, but no. it's good news. It's good news. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking today. So uh, I review. I, I told you I'm going to be stumbling over words. I reviewed Cyberpunk uh, Phantom Liberty. We're going to talk about that. We've got uh, other games to talk about. Of course, we have a huge uh, Xbox leak. We're going to talk about some of that stuff because there's an awful lot there. Um, we've got the CMA update on Xbox Activision Blizzard. We've got TGS, Tokyo Game Show. And then we're also going to talk about the three of our favorite 25 games of all time. Travis actually put a list together. He did it, um, you know. I'm expecting we'll a 10 minute disclaimer before we are allowed to read it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Uh, as you guys know, it's not an easy thing for me, but I, <laughs> I commit to nothing. Who knows? The list may change in the middle. You know? Yeah. I mean, I was the same way. I was like, you could move games in and out of that all day long. Um, but before we do that, we got a couple super chats to get to. Uh, the sorry for the frame, it's gonna look a little weird as we do super chats today, I think, but we'll deal with it oh, as yeah. we go. So, Google Man in the house with the five euros. Apple TV has the complete Batman animated series from the 90s nice. for $30. Seems like a steal as it's considered a classic, very true. Ben and Jerry's fish food. I have not had Flavor. Ben and Jerry's fish food. Yes, I haven't had it though. Is it any good? Who knows? I imagine Google Man is taking a 90s theme through that. Through that comment there, <laughs> talking about fish, probably, yeah. Apple yeah. TV, uh, but yeah. Batman animated. You said seems like a seal as it's considered a classic, indicating to me that you haven't seen it yet. It is one hundred percent a classic, even if you don't love Batman. Batman the animated series is great. It's very Fan- good, fantastic. I grew up on it. 
Yeah, you were like four. I was. <laughs> Watch, I was watching it. <laughs> it was age appropriate. Age appropriate for that show, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like the darkest afternoon cartoon there was. <laughs> and I was the darkest four-year-old there was. I was ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man appreciate you google man it's always getting us started here my brother bomber in the house with a ten dollar super chat you better watch out for my gorilla hands we're gonna get to it don't worry oh. also cyberpunk is gorgeous yes rocket league is a great game also yes four is it gonna be balling three times yes and maybe diablo four is worth going back to for season two halo for never the stopped man never stopped <laughs> hogue is still diablo in like every day every day i he am talks i play a lot of diablo four it's awesome Good game. Awesome. Yeah, there's some great games in your list there, Bomber. Appreciate you. Um, he also added an extra $2 saying, oh, yeah, Party Animals is a damn good time. Very true. I'm going to be talking about Party Animals here very shortly. Um, I Bomber. I do have some. I have a problem with uh, him saying Forza is balling and not Rocket League is balling. Seems like he got reversed. <laughs> actually Fair. ball in rocket league you know yeah I mean? yeah a missed pun opportunity there I mean, for sure but we don't know that there isn't some kind of ball in forza i haven't played it sure. you, travis i have not but i i could guess pretty hard no... and <laughs> forza horizon there is but not forza yeah. horizon almost forza yeah. motorsport <laughs> rocket league edition that would be unhinged <laughs> Yeah, no, it wouldn't. A realistic racer with a sim game in it? That's crazy. Put that in Horizon where it belongs, sir. No doubt. Okay. No doubt. Uh, Bomber, thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Uh, a couple of member comments. Shoosh, petition to rename the channel to Season Chunks. Hell yeah. <laughs> Starfield. Chunks. Best fast food in the verse. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Shoosh. Vintage Willow. Yay. This was in response to your, the comment about you, Hogue. Very happy for you. And shout out, as always, Vintage Willow. Super generous. I say this every week. She just gifted 10 memberships over on the Season Gaming side. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. It's real, awesome. real talk, though, Ains. If Chunks yes. became a real company, Bethesda decided to get into the snack business. And they were like, we're going to make Chunks a reality. And they offered to sponsor BitCast. Would you, would you take the sponsorship? So we would all have to rebrand and maybe do like a segment called like, you season know, hunks chunks. yeah season season <laughs> chunks or something like that and everybody i don't know tells us am about i the it. only one that like deep dives into world building in my head and goes what in the world was happening in this universe that chunks was the appropriate branding for food yeah my guess like is, food had become a kind of amorphous goo and so the cubes were actually an improvement i thought about this i think it's i think it's because of like space food Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever been to like the museum and you get those little bags of space food. Oh, and I, I get thinking, space ice cream every single time, Travis. You hell know yeah, anything. baby. Yeah. So I was thinking it was probably something like that. Like maybe they didn't have gravity on ships at first. And so they had to eat. Every, they had to digest everything as like a solid chunk. So it wouldn't go into space. I don't know. I was thinking about that. Like they probably just looked at NASA food and were like, what could that? What if that was a future brand? Yeah, no, I'm one of my favorite bits of the world building in Starfield is like all of these adult beverages are in juice boxes. So it's like, yes, like one juice box, beer, whatever it might be. It's ridiculous. But yeah, no, it's a Capri Sun is now the largest corporation in the future. (laughs) They own everything. But patented pouch, you know, they got. um, Yeah, I I, my (laughs) some of those sound delicious, by the way, some of the chunks like. Obviously, a chunks cheeseburger, like it looks like a slider, like that basically yeah. already exists. They just made it square. But then some of them, I'm like chunks wine. Some of them are horrible. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to eat chunks. Chunk. 
<laughs> Did you see the person? Uh, I don't know who it was, but someone recreated them all in real life, like actually made them. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah I saw it on Twitter. I don't know who That's that horrifying. was. But I meant to, probably. I meant yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Don Lionheart in the house. $5 super chat. Good morning, all. Still playing Baldur's Gate 3 here. Barely any Starfield time, sadly. Someday I'll get to Cyberpunk. Congrats, Hogue, on rehab at graduation. There you go. Good to hear from you, Don. Did I tell you guys I beat Starfield finally? Like the main story? That, yeah, like basically everything I intend to play. I like <laughs> finished it. 270 hours. So I was like, all right, I'm good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And to take away all your stuff for New Game Plus, it's like, man, how much do I really want to do this again? I've seen people raving about the New Game Plus. Uh, obviously, I'm not there, so I don't know exactly. It, it's the details, set up but... cool, but they do. I expected them to at least keep like my starship or maybe some of my money. And mm-hmm. they took away. It's like you keep your of... skills and nothing else, right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, your skills. That's it. And then they send you huh. on your way and you're like, damn, I got nothing again. This sucks. So. <laughs> but it is cool. If I were recommending it to anybody, I think I did it the opposite way. I would just say like, you should beeline the main story, finish it, get to New Game Plus, and then do like your real playthrough where you do all the side stuff and all that. Because mm. otherwise you sort of are doing a lot of that for... Like, there's no reason to do like all of the faction quests before New Game Plus because they take all that. Yeah, I gotcha. So levels, gotcha. I guess. So, uh, Don also says, Travis, Avatar Game Talk today. Very curious. What kind of face <laughs> is that? The Avatar game looks cool. It does no, look cool. It's, he's far, talking cry, about it's Ava- far Cry Avatar. He's talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. Is there uh, an Avatar The Last Airbender game? Like There now? is. It is out sure already. A while ago. It was made by the company. Well, it's starting again. I don't know if you know this. There's a no, new season. I don't. Yeah. And uh, that the game is made by Game Mill, the same people that published uh, Nerf Legends. And oh. it is predictably shovelware, essentially. It's just a, a $50 game that seems like it took a couple hours to make. And it does not. It's not good. Shouldn't mm. play it. Yeah, so I'm happy to talk about it. I did play that game for a couple hours. Tom is doing the review. Obviously, we did not get advanced cop- copies. Nobody did for obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you're you should- not doing the review. I know. I can't either. Actually, I was the backup for this. This is Tom's first review uh, since he became a father. And so they're giving him one that they were like, yeah, this probably won't take too long. It's like probably a couple hour game. And so he's. I was the backup. I was the bench mm. in case he couldn't do it. Um, which is why I've been playing it a little bit. So it doesn't sound like I'm going to have to be the person to write the review, but I was ready to be the guy to have to write the review, and it's pretty bad so far. Um, what so are they? You, uh... you got to be careful with these names, though, because I'm looking forward to Frontiers of Pandora. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe no, that's what yeah, we'll they, call it. I'm pretty sure uh, Don is talking about uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Basically, like th- the game is it retells the original show um each of the the uh, the chapters the or books i guess they're called um and uh it does a really bad job of like retelling the story like it'll like skip over the whole part where like ang's people get genocided with like a slideshow cutscene, and then like do an extensive part where you're writing that giant fish you know like oh, you know that episode where he's on a giant fish. Here we'll just do. A I, I don't know anything about it. We're racing mini game with that, and then uh, they uh, you spend an awful lot of your bending time pushing boxes, which everybody knows is the fantasy when it comes to <laughs> Avatar: Last Airbender. Is that you want to you want to airbend boxes? Box across. bender. Yeah, box bending. Mm. Yeah, it's very uh, it's a very odd kind of poorly conceived game. Um, so 
It's also um, got one of those bugs where you can buy like a common item from vendors and then sell it back to them for three times the price so that you can make infinite money. You can do that fair. at any point in the game, which is, fair. yeah. Always. I guess the big question I wanted to ask you, though, is what is IGN going to do uh, for backup when you become a father? oh man all right moving on oh don followed up one more time two dollars girlfriend and i are huge last airbender fans very sad to hear yep it is i'm also a huge last airbender fan and uh it it, yeah i kind of saw the trailer and i was like it doesn't look great the publisher sort of has a bad reputation uh and uh yeah it's just one of those things. I think they're snapping up the IP, making a quick and dirty game to try to quick buck sell it to sell it to kids and their parents who don't know any yep. better. Yep. yep, Don. Thank you very much. Appreciate the support as always. Tao in the house with the five dollar super chat. Sup, big casters. New game added to the streamless party animals. Got to see who catches those paws. Yes, so we're going to be talking about it. It's so fun. Um, we will talk about that here shortly, Tao. But yeah, we 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 got to figure out a way to do that for sure. We got to. Tal, thank you so much. And Nissa says, "Did Tide make an AI picture today? Did they ever?" Good reminder: yes. Our cyberpunk versions are here. Here we go. Um, I look like I've seen Helen back for years. Uh, yeah, yeah tra- I mean, Travis. You look is like that in real me. life. <laughs> I mean, this is how, pretty much how, me. <laughs> how different is this from you? Yeah. <laughs> the only the only difference to you is I imagine that this version of Ains has like a really dirty British accent. You know, like he's just like low northern. Bone. Yeah, very yeah. very north. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel yeah. like Dan Cyberware is trying to give him hair. <laughs> yeah, Dan Dan is just doing a doing the cyberpunk equivalent to regenerate his hair growth. Okay. I. Uh, yeah, I'm a dork on a on a you know headset. What what are they called in uh in Cyberpunk? The, the uh, net runners. Net runners. Yeah. And Hogue just yeah. looks cool. Ains and Hogue just look I cool. I got a little man. too much product in my hair, but mine is good. <laughs> I mean, you're in the cyberpunk world. It's all about fashion there. So you gotta do what you gotta do. I will say you have the you have the, the probably the lowest tech. I don't know why you're wearing a wired headset in cyberpunk. That seems really yeah. yeah. It looks like it actually is double wired, which is like worse. It's like a he's major the, step back. Yeah. He's got the Astro A fifties in like twenty fifty. No, dude, those are like the 40s there's two <laughs> chords How, like why are there why are there so many chords involved <laughs> one chord uh, for each year yeah it's bizarre oh Travis my god in real corpo yeah he always does yeah i mean yeah, yeah. i mean that's pretty I, standard I, I, I would obviously i'd be a corpo in the cyberpunk universe so this checks out why do i look like a child in each of these i could not <laughs> tell you I very much you know that. why you know why also really in the future i have to wear seeing eyeglasses crazy because <laughs> at least they turn hoes into like cool they look like they're maybe holographic you know i, I think i just have reflections of a computer screen in mind i mean that's a weird ass computer screen you're looking at i must say it's like orange and neon but i won't judge yeah i just look like a, a sickly child i haven't figured out yeah i mean mine's pretty much me now you know basically it's, it's pretty I mean, accurate you, so you got a better smolder on this photo <laughs> need to work by, the, by the way my headset is i only just realized like it's it's two parts it's not connected at the top apparently it sits on my head <laughs> magnetically wow. the magic of ai yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I do stuff. not understand how things look. It's kind of, those are great, Tide. Those are yeah, great. Yeah, it's Tide. You're awesome. Yeah, Thank as you so always, much. your AI images are horrifying and cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's get to some games, guys. Um, let, let, let's start because we had a couple Super Chats. Let's start with Party Animals. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Party Animals is a new kind of family-friendly, if you will, kind of take on animals slash almost fall guys at times. It's like this goofy game where you pick different animals in different mini games. It's eight players. Um, you can play, you know, with friends. You can play online and matchmaking. And we played it last night. Me and a couple of the guys uh, played last night a couple custom games, and then we also went into matchmaking as a team. Uh, a lot of the games are four on four. A lot of the games are four teams of two. So, um, you know, it kind of mixes people up. But I'll tell you what. Um I have not laughed that hard in a very long time. Like me and the other guys were literally in tears to where we couldn't talk to one another because we couldn't breathe. We were laughing so hard. Um, It is just extremely, extremely comical. I highly recommend it for anyone out there who just wants to have a laugh, especially of a family, play it with your, play it with your kids, play it with, you know, your friends. It's just, it is, it is great. It is really great. Um, I hope, you know, it's, it's already kind of got this, uh free battle pass you know you don't have to pay for anything you earn kind of free credits in the game you unlock costumes and new animals it's got all sorts of animals you can be um it's really kind of well implemented for initial launch and can my uh, daughter be a turtle do they have a turtle i haven't seen a turtle i have quite a few of the characters now because i was grinding it a little bit with the with my fiance um i've got a uh try to think of some of the ones there's a gorilla there's a uh, alligator. Yeah, there's all that? the obvious ones. My there's favorite's like, a cow. I really like the way the cow cow's looks. Cool. I got a I got a gangster walrus. That's what now, I'm I using right now. This game. I know it's on Game Pass, but can yep. can you tell me what what is yeah. the game? I got you. I got you. It is Mario Party meets Quop. It is a <laughs> uh, it is a physic physics based like. Uh, brawler game where it'll for example be like hey everybody's on top of an airplane and you have to uh, push each other off but the main obstacle to doing that is the controls are intentionally like bad because they're physics based and so you you have a hard time like getting your your gelatinous uh, creature with all of the bone structure of one of those uh, one of those air guys in front of a car dealership (laughs) you know yeah those things those, those yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's not as it's not as crazy as Quop, right? Like you, you can it's move around, you can jump, you can grab, you can punch and stuff. Um, but it is to his to Travis's point, it is purposely kind of goofy, right? Yeah. Um, and what's really funny about it is a lot of the games rely on you knocking out the other animals, right? So that you either have an advantage to throw them off the whatever you're on, or to you know be able to like uh, it's got soccer and hockey and football, right? Um, so if you're knocking out the other guys, obviously they can't play defense. Uh, and uh, it's just, yeah, it's comical. Man. Yeah. And then they have like mini games in there like uh, soccer and hockey and stuff like that, where you have to also use your, use your animals to push people across the field. We did like a football game once. Uh, it's just a bunch of like dumb, weird mini games where the main obstacle is controlling your creature is very hard. Some people are good at it though. Yeah, there's some people that some are really people good. Some crazy maneuvers, and I was just like, "Geez, man, yeah. I wish I could be that good with my floppy cow." This guy's <laughs> not. I'm trying to remember. You asked about turtle. I, I mean, there's like hammerhead shark uh, variations. There's a turtle. There's, there's bunnies, and I'm only missing um, two: the bat and I can't remember what, but I haven't seen a turtle. 
Yeah, I don't well, remember. Your... There's a pass. I, I feel like I'm earning too much stuff across many games now, right? Diablo and yeah. Motorfest and Mortal Kombat and too yeah. many live services, people, but I understand why they do it. Yeah, and, and you can buy money, but the cool thing in this game is not only is the leveling up where you unlock the stuff free, but you get like little dog bones as you you know play the game, right? And you can actually uh, transfer those to the real money currency as well. Nice. So basically, you can unlock everything in the game theoretically just by playing the game without spending any money. And there's a lot of the stuff like those passes. I need the I need the theoretical possibility of earning my way into the into the stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's actually it's actually set up pretty well. And we played, I want to say we played at least like seven to eight to nine different mini games last night, different maps and stuff. So it's it's pretty good for an initial launch. And I obviously think you know um, they're going to keep expanding it. So it's. It's pretty cool, man. It's the most. It's kind of the yeah. funniest thing I've seen like that in that vein since Fall Guys. Um, yeah. And I I didn't expect to laugh that much, honestly. Yeah. Well, I good. do they think they need a little bit more variety because a lot of them are just like slap yeah, fights. Yeah, they do. To knock people off of stuff, but the levels are pretty fun, and we passed like a an entire evening just playing it, and didn't really. I don't think we saw the same levels multiple times. So there's there's quite a few little stages. Um, also, Rob Frawley II reports that there is a, already a request out for a turtle on the forums for party animals. Nice. Because I'm sure I it's really, coming. I really, really like turtles. Yeah. yeah. We're going to add um, a bunch by the of way, animals, I'm sure. Uh, Samantha said, I missed the game they're talking about. Party animals, it's called. Um, it came out this week. It is also on Game Pass. You can just download and play it. It's, uh, it's great. Um, Pampa, my uh, partner in crime who I was playing with last night, he said, party animals is not family friendly friendly the betrayal is real yeah so there, there's no like there is um what do you call it um there's no blocking of team damage so if you like go to jump kick an enemy and miss and hit your teammate you're knocking them out um and it, it's just yeah. quite funny so uh bomber who was uh you also knock yourself just a, out by the you way you can knock yourself <laughs> out as well by yeah. headbutting somebody and that's like your strong attack but it also does damage to <clears> you <throat> you just knock each other out it's pretty sad yeah, Bomber was Realistic. clocking me last night. That's what he said. Watch these gorilla hands. He was the gorilla, and we played like a couple games in the row where he kept missing the enemies and hitting me, and he just kept knocking me out over and over again. It's quite funny. The oh, dive is very looking dangerous. looking for turtles, frogs, penguins. Turtles, frogs, penguins. I think all three of those are not in I there. have to go back and look. Yeah, I don't. I forget. Come on, party uh, Pompa. animals. Pompa, yeah. thank you. Oh, there's you know there's gonna be a penguin DLC where it's all gonna be like ice themed levels and creatures, you know. And, yeah, there's some there's some ice stuff in there now. Um, yeah. yeah, so there has to be. They already announced too; they're gonna start doing cl- collabs. So like Ori, uh, Ori's characters are coming into the game soon. Oh hell yeah! Um, and stuff like that. So you know well, you're gonna I, see all these. Then I'll play Shovel Knight when he gets there. Hell yeah! <laughs> Good, and I'll knock him Shovel out. Everything. <laughs> um yeah but it's great definitely check it out if you're just looking for something funny and you can play solo you can just go into matchmaking they'll put you on a team and you know um it's fun real fun the only annoying thing is that we had to figure out last night is it's got that stupid thing in game where like it's got cross play and stuff but to to party up is not easy as like just getting on xbox and doing the voice party invite you have to be friends in the game so just be aware which is really annoying so the quickest way we found to do that set up a custom game lobby, invite everyone to join it, and then just quickly add them as friends within the within the game. And then you can quickly, uh, you know, party up for matchmaking. But it's really, really annoying. It also but otherwise has couch co-op. 
where you could play fully custom matches with all players being present in person, which is kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, I was talking to Hoke before the show, and I didn't know because I hadn't tried that. So um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. But you can't Xbox controller ready, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, okay. Whoa. <laughs> One Xbox, one controller for a system. Most Xbox games are not play with your daughters ready, so I don't have a second controller. That's That's fair. fair. Yeah. I don't know why I have so many. Why do I always end up with games where we need multiple people? I don't know. I just have too many because I have too many of everything. So that's true. uh, I have 600 Joy Cons, half of which are broken. So (laughs) fair enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, check it out, man. It's uh, anyone watching. If you haven't, it's it's a blast. Um, wanted to jump over to Lies of P. Um, so you guys talked a little bit about about this last week. Obviously, Travis did the review. I did put a couple hours, just a couple hours, into it this week because I wanted to uh, just check it out and get a break from Phantom Liberty, which we'll get to. Um, really liking it so far. Uh, I know that you get to the uh, what's that first boss call, which is like the prologue. Um, the clown. Yeah, I forget his name. He's got a name. Parade Master, I think it is. Bing-boing um, the, the clown boy. This is like I'm writing the games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I got past him, got to the hotel, and then started down into the next level. And uh, yeah, I'm really liking it so far. I, uh, I've talked to some other people who are playing it. They really enjoyed it as well. Um, I think general consensus is, uh, as you guys said last week, that this is an excellent, excellent Souls-like um, I know the developer NeoWiz came out and kind of thanked everyone for the reviews and the feedback. And, you know, they they said they're working on the first patch to, you know, fix little things here and there and update it. Um, Hoagie, still playing it? Yeah, I love it. Uh, I've got a lot of games I'm playing right now, so it doesn't get as much time as it maybe needs to in order to gain any kind of mastery or skill. But what I really like about it, as you know about me, is kind of narrative focused. Uh, the Lies of P kind of, Hints that there's more that's going wrong, that something is deeply wrong with what you've been told, like from the start. And I really like that. It's a good it's a good tone for one of these games. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I'll get to Phantom Liberty here shortly. I'll save that for the tail end of our Ooh. conversation. But I know we've got Hoag's notes to get to because I know Hoag's you've got a notepad notes. sitting there. I know you do. There it is. What do you got? What do you got for us? Well, I have, with two stars, much more Diablo 4. Um, And interestingly enough, you know, I talk about Diablo 4 from time to time online. A lot of people seem to be animated about references to Diablo 4 being good. Uh, I really enjoy Diablo 4. I will continue to really enjoy Diablo 4. I'm sorry if you have fallen off Diablo 4, if you didn't enjoy Season 1. I still think it's one of the best games of the year. And I enjoy it basically every time I pop on. But as compared to others, I don't play it for 20 hours at a go, right? I generally play it at halftime in my football games and do a nightmare dungeon and get some glyph points and call it a day. And so I might be playing it differently than you, but I love Diablo 4. I'm looking forward to season two. And I'm pretty close to finishing the, I don't know what they call their battle pass, just a battle pass uh, for season one. So that's that's unusual for me. I don't usually get to the end of these things. A season of the malignant, wasn't it? Yes, this is the malignant, and then season of blood yeah. is next. Yes. Yep. 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 But are, okay. are you finding the same thing? I saw you nodding, Travis. That that people have uh, started yes. responding negatively to references to Diablo Four. Yep. Yeah, it's on a lot of IGN comments and stuff when we cover the game. Uh, I think the 
this is pretty normal, right? Like a game will come out and it'll be well received. And then as people are upset with the live service, they start to turn against the yep. game. The same thing happened yep. with Halo Infinite is a yep. great example of that. It had a very, very high Metacritic rating. And then people immediately started dunking on it because of the live service support. And so I think when when that happens, it's more of a a sign that maybe the live service model isn't meeting expectations rather than the base game. Cause sometimes you'll see the opposite where like destiny will come out with an expansion and it'll get absolutely slaughtered. People will be like, this is terrible. And then the live service is good. And then people act like the game was good, even though the, the base game that came out wasn't. So I really just think it's people have, they turn on you real quick or, you know, their, their opinions of you <laughs> shift very, very quickly and super strongly. And I, I think it's probably a, a little bit um, a, a toxic of a relationship between gamers and the developers, but yeah, it's, it's um, interesting to me because I'm not yeah. usually riding the wave of the live service as it happens. And I've said this to my brother who plays these a lot more than me, but even at the end of Diablo four here, where I'm now in the, full Paragon boards and, and running against Nightmare Dungeons and Helltides and things. It's like, I'm not usually playing these games at that level, right? It, where you're yeah. well into the post game, doing things at the at the highest end of the build crafting and whatnot. And I love it. And to me, for me personally, that might be because I really don't experience it very often, but I think Diablo 4 has got to have some credit for engaging me in a way that other games have not. And so yeah. I, I really enjoy it. I would say Diablo 4's, uh, like their live service model so far has been pretty strong in terms of content delivery. It's really been the balance and shaking the jello before it is set type of stuff that's pissing people off. And I get yeah. that because they put a lot of time into it. And the people who are already at the very, very end game and have worked on their builds are, are going to be angry anytime you, you shake the jello on them. But uh i you know i don't again i i'm a moderate in most things so i i don't think a lot of the backlash is super warranted it certainly doesn't mean diablo 4 is a bad game uh and i i i quite like it uh but yeah this is like normal for live service games people are the worst they have very poor impulse control <laughs> usually and just get to the point where they want to send a developer a death threat for a game that they love and spend thousands of hours doing and i'm just like yo let's calm down folks so yeah. uh yeah but we're definitely seeing it in the comments as well but Diablo 4 is a great game yeah and oh, yeah. i you know we talk about this all the time too like games are not endless you know they try to be and you can play them endlessly but you know i think there's some expectations that need to be kept in check at times too there's a million other amazing games right now take a break if you're if you're not enjoying yourself take a break play some of those other amazing games come back to diablo when they have their next season next update whatever it is um, you don't have to play that game for hours per day. It's, uh, yeah, don't try you know. to power through it. That's what I've always said about games, right? Is like you got to play what you enjoy. The thing that the thing that is surprising to me with Diablo Four is even if I don't necessarily feel like playing a game, or I'm not sure I'm gonna like playing Diablo at this moment in time, I put that on and then like an hour melts away at least. Like that's mm. just that kind of game for me. It's just matching what I'm looking for basically every yeah. time I jump in. So I'm playing a lot of Diablo Four. And the other things on Hogue's notes, as it were, <laughs> is that I have I've finally progressed far enough into Motorfest, the crew Motorfest, that I nice. understand how it works a little bit better. Like I was just not really understanding what they were doing with what they call the main stage, um, which requires you to complete three playlists. And I didn't really know why. That didn't make a lot of sense. But 
now that I have done more of the main stage and realized that one of the tracks is basically replaying playlists you've already finished in a new mode that's just for whatever the main stage is doing that week, uh, it makes a lot more sense. And it is very compelling in this kind of like make bars go up way that Diablo 4 live service and also one of the other games I'm playing this week, Mortal Kombat 1, do really, really well. Mortal Kombat, by the way, I adore. Uh, Mortal Kombat continues to be an awesome plot-based fighting game, but and I haven't played Mortal Kombat 11 in some time, but it, it seems to me like the animations are way better than they used to be uh, in Mortal Kombat 1. So I'm really having stunning a good time game. with it. it really I'm only is about stunning. halfway through the campaign, so don't spoil have you, me. Have, you, have you started to understand what I was talking about with Mortal Kombat being wholesome in this game? Um, I mean, I understand kind of Luke Hang's position. I, it's interesting that the way they've positioned it, you still have to have conflict and evil, right? Or, or whatever else you're going to deal with. That it it's mostly, and I should have anticipated this from the name being Mortal Kombat 1, it's mostly kind of rebuilding the setups that existed before. Yeah. Almost with a kind of Destiny vibe. Like, yeah, you tried to set it up this way, Liu Kang, but it's going to come out this way. It's like, okay, yeah. sure, that makes sense. But uh, the, the, the fact that they're re-painting like, some of the, like, mortal enemies and like bad guys as actually being like good guys or people who if they did something that was wrong did it for the right reasons and you know what i mean like ever it just feels like a lot less like dark like you kind of understand every character's position and like how they i don't know well, the it's, interesting it's, thing it's to me very... is like it seems to require and it's very hard to separate because i have this it seems to require background knowledge of a lot of the things that mortal kombat was doing for the last 20 years or so basically yeah and it's it, it it's very clever in certain of those respects but i i think it probably needed like a codex or something for like the original world and like what's new what does it mean that raiden's a farmer right like what what, <laughs> what, is, what is what is happening there all right we got him his lightning powers. We're going to get this all done. But all this stuff, I think, is is interesting and clever and maybe doesn't get the credit it deserves because who can remember freaking 11 games of Mortal Kombat? And it's actually more than 11, right? Because they've had all sorts of extra games along the way and crazy right. lore. Yeah, Mortal Kombat lore is wild. Um, it's all over the place. But, um, but no, I'm yeah, really I didn't... enjoying it. it. It jumps off the screen. It is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, it is super flashy when you got like two magic users going at each other. It's <laughs> really, really good. And I like the invasion setup. I like what they're doing with that, which is essentially kind of just a controlled tower, if you will, with specific kind of bespoke challenges to get you costumes and goodies in the way that the old crypt would have or some of the other adventure modes yeah. that they had in the various Mortal Kombat's. But it's smart. It's set up to support a kind of season pass type mentality. And I just think it's a very, very good game. Very strong. I like it more yeah. than, than Street Fighter, but I, I lean towards Mortal Kombat anyway. I feel the exact same way. Um, and I'm I'm kind of upset I didn't get back to uh, the story mode yet because I just obviously haven't had time. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to getting back into it and playing through it. And uh, yeah, if you didn't see the chat on the SG side, Elu, who did our review for it, our fighting game guru, if you will, he said he used the word wholesome in uh, in our review, so which is cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You did it. Changing <laughs> hearts and changing minds. Tie guy there, you there you go. Uh, no, I it think, is wholesome. It is wholesome. I think that's fair. Certainly the beginning I really liked. It's You're trying to figure out what's going on. And I, I think it's a good game. Um, and 
I, I, I sound more surprised than I am at that, I guess, but sometimes another realm game comes out and they're always going to have high production values in their, in their campaigns and things like that. Yeah. But I don't like them every time. Like I, I pretty famously really did not like, um, the second injustice. Like it was just all over the place. Um, that, that was so, one of their le- least interesting stories. Second sure. injustice. And I don't I, even I, remember it. I don't recall loving Mortal Kombat 11. I, I you know, Chronica and the time stuff. I don't recall loving that plot. Mm. I, 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 like, I, I liked it. Too. I liked it better than 10. 10 was my least favorite new. 10's MK the one where they're so. fighting. the. Uh, yeah, I liked 10. That's the one where they're fighting the sorcerer, right? And Johnny Cage's kids and all that are in it. Sure. Okay. Like I said, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I, I really I don't remember. Her. I don't remember. I just remember yeah, nine, I didn't play X as much honestly, as nine, I don't. Ten, is it 11, X or ten? And now uh, one are, are amazing. It's ten. I call it. Uh, nine's, all, nine's the goat. Nine's the best. I mean, nine is one, two, and three put together in fancy modern clothing. So yes, exactly. Nine is the best. And don't forget, nine was in the 360 days when you had the King of the Hill, where you had your avatars who could watch the matches. And you could you could right. yell stuff and hold up signs and throw tomatoes at the screen and it was, we also had many. Hard, it was the last hard Mortal Kombat game. Getting through that campaign was tough. It was like, like playing the arcade, yeah, where yeah, they would beat your butt. Boss were rough. Hard AI in fighting games, I think, is tough to make fun because it often feels unfair. Feels punishing. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, all right, that's Hogue's notes. Oh, this we're week. not done with Hogue's Notes. Oh, we we're not done with Hogue's Notes. September 24th, Hogue's Notes continues. Please go <laughs> carry on. Uh, I also picked up Cyberpunk because the 2.0 update came out, and I am getting ready for Phantom Liberty. I have to say, uh, the 2.0 update is is strange and interesting in that it, it makes you kind of constantly check, wait, that's not how the game used to work, is it? In your head. And it's not. <laughs> like it's It's almost a different model of game in the same world, in the same plot, but a different model of the actual video game that they created, that they put on top of it. I think the 2.0 is probably warranted if that, for that reason alone, Travis. But after playing Starfield, I know some people online have said, oh, Starfield looks bad next to Cyberpunk. I actually feel kind of the opposite. Cyberpunk is noticeably emptier than I remember it feeling as compared to Starfield with everybody that you can talk to and everything that you can pick up and examine. Cyberpunk has a lot more set dressing that is just set dressing than Starfield in my experience. And while I am enjoying cyberpunk and certainly more than I did when it first came out, but maybe not as much as I thought I would more than when 1.5 came out, which is where it really kind of locked down the console performance. I think I just prefer Starfield as both a game design and a world. Mm. Cyberpunk is this dirty, dingy world and I don't like it as much as Starfield, which is a little bit more hopeful. Oops. All neon. Yeah, I, yeah. So I, um, well, I can I can get into it. Um, yeah. So I reviewed Phantom Liberty. Uh, review is live on our channel and on the site. I did written in video. Um, so it, it's kind of weird, right? Because 2.0 and Phantom Liberty came at the same time. So it was kind of you know a lot of reviews didn't really discern between the two. I tried a little bit because um, Phantom Liberty has one set of features and a new story, right? That add to the game, and then 2.0 did this over here. Uh, talking about that from a combination standpoint, um, yeah, I, I already love Cyberpunk, so I think I was in a different camp than you to begin with, Hogue. Um, 2.0 and Phantom Liberty just put it over the top for me. Um, I really, really, really love Phantom Liberty. Um, it is a very impressive, uh, not only addition to the game, but the story itself and the missions you do in the story, 
the voice acting, the motion capture with Idris Elba and and uh, So Mong Chang, I think her name. I'm gonna mess her name up, but who plays Songbird, who's one of the other main characters, um, is just incredible. Um, you know, sometimes you get those characters where you get a a Megan Fox, if you will. You get that cameo acting in a game, and you're just like, oh, Rock Case City. <laughs> this, I don't love <laughs> Rock Case City. Cyberpunk Prime. Yeah. You what? I don't love Keanu in Cyberpunk Prime. He's not good. I don't think his performance is very good. What's What's Cyberpunk Prime? He's uh, talking about the not Phantom Liberty. <laughs> oh, oh, did you did you and you finished Cyberpunk fully? I did. Oh yeah, see, I disagree entirely. Uh, I think I think Keanu is is excellent. Uh, it, there's a curve there. I didn't like him at the start of the game, um, but by the end, I loved him to death. Um, and he continues in Phantom Liberty, right? He's uh, depending, I think, on some choices and stuff. But uh, he has surprise when they announced that. Yeah, he has new performances, yeah. new everything. He's kind of with you, and the, the integration between your character V and him. And now all these new main characters that you meet and that story and just some of the quests are really, really well done. Um, so looking forward to it. Yeah. Combined with 2.0, as you said. Right. So then you um, you have this new. The thing I like most about 2.0 is the cyberware improvement. So now it it feels a lot more like true RPG character building where you're you can min max and, you know, kind of play around with your stats and how you want your build to be. Uh, so the, the cyberware adjustment combined with the uh, skill redesign is really strong, uh, much stronger than it was at launch, uh, to give them credit there. Those skill and trees are a different design philosophy. I mean, I was entirely. not that when I got into that screen. I was like, oh, you guys completely changed what these talent trees are. Yep. Not just like what the skills are, but how they operate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was surprised with that, too, because I was like, all right, I'm usually intellect and uh, technical. And then I was like, technical? This isn't what... I've my technical skills were supposed to be this is a totally different skill set. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of weird, but yeah, I did and play a little bit of cyberpunk 2.0 and I will say uh, the system is a lot better. I like that the game runs even better than the 1.5, which I didn't, I didn't really start to dig into cyberpunk really until the 1.5, just because I just didn't click with me the first time I tried it. But I will say to Hoag's point, one thing that Starfield does better is like, <laughs> It's tough to spend time in the cyberpunk universe. You notice every dialogue option, you have like three choices. You could be kind of a dick. You could be a complete dick or you could be the biggest piece of shit that ever was shat. Those are your options. Like there's no good person playthrough in cyberpunk. You're kind of just always at least a little bit of a dick in that game. And that's true of like every character. Like you can redeem Johnny Silverhands, but like ultimately he's still silver around. hands yeah he's, uh, he's, two, silver, he's got two <laughs> he's still a, he's still a, a total douchebag you know no. like, at the end uh, bro he's a terrorist he killed come on. millions come come on. <laughs> he i mean kill millions calm down how many people did he kill with that nuclear bomb man so many people did he died it wasn't a nuke he took down arasaka tower it was deserved Deserved. Literally in Deserved. I'm with you, Johnny. We've got his diverses here. It's like how much you hate the corpos or not. Eat the rich, fight the power. That's right. Get him, Johnny. I mean, I'm all for that. <laughs> like, I, you don't have to twist my arm on that. Like, I, I, but, but here's the thing: you could blow up uh, a corporate building using a nuclear bomb. I'll take that, and you could actually still win me over as being a good person. But Johnny Silverhands does not do that. Johnny Silverhand, sorry, does not do that. <laughs> does not do that in any stretch of the imagination. He is a douchebag. 
Oh, in his bones. I'm not. I'm Just not liking the bones. slander of the Johnny Silverhands. You know, all of them. I don't like all of Both, this all of the hands. Uh, <laughs> um, well, he's a con. Yeah, no. I, I love how some people are trying to justify it, it was a mini nuke. Okay, bro. <laughs> <laughs> let's get out of here. Uh, little well, genocide. I'm, I'm fully fine. willing. I saw in the chat some people saying, "You know, that's the cyberpunk world." I'm, I'm fully willing to grant that that's cyberpunk world. I'm just not as interested in being in cyberpunk world. Yeah. And I think that's fair. Starfield. Yeah. I think that's perfectly fair. I, I, and the funny thing is, right. Like I was really enjoying my time in Starfield. I got pulled off because of other reviews. So I'm still only at about 40 hours in Starfield. I was really enjoying it. And, and to be fair, was more about the, uh, the, the choice. It, It doesn't really feel like you have too much of a choice because your options are like different degrees of being a terrible person. And the game sort of, makes you accept that premise that in this world it's kind of impossible to be a good person well, that's sort Star- of the yeah, problem Star- you can literally like talk to just about everybody in the space and they'll have something to say about who they are and what the space is and there's just a lot more in cyberpunk where you're just okay yes you're at a club you're, you're dancing it's very nice very good we'll keep walking the set yeah. dressing is good cyberpunk has strong set dressing i've always thought that but it isn't as interactive as starfield i don't think anybody would argue that no, I'm not arguing that either. I was just going to say before Travis rudely interrupted me that um, <laughs> that uh, the thing is, I knew this comparison was coming. And I said previously, you can compare them, but they're different games. And yes, they're both big open RPGs to a degree. Right. But I think there's things that Starfield does better to your point, Hogue. And I think you just nailed one of them. But I think there's things that Cyberpunk does better. Um, I for in, I, the, the narrative especially phantom liberty with the main characters and stuff there's nothing in starfield even close it's not even close um the gunplay the moment the moment the moment action once i went back to cyberpunk and started getting into my like super dash and jump and shooting and everything i was like oh my god like i don't miss starfield at all it's so much better it feels like a proper shooter the shooting um, i'll give you the oh gunplay i don't know if you've played enough of starfield's narrative plots yeah i know i know it does change that's fair that's fair um but there's um you know the improvements with 2.0 and some of the uh enemy situations there's just a lot of um things that have been improved there but i i just i love my time in that world i think that the character development and some of the relationships are really strong one of the really cool things that happens in phantom liberty that i point out my review is that as you're playing right and i used my by the way quick tip for everyone listening gog uh cdpr's pc platform supports cloud saves across console and pc now so i started playing on pc where i had a save from about six to eight hours i was at the end of the prologue and i thought i would jump into phantom liberty you cannot so what i had to do was take my core game save from xbox get it on the cloud and then bring it over to pc now when the game launches on tuesday officially you can either play your late game save and go into Phantom Liberty with that character, or they're giving you the option to just start right into Phantom Liberty with a pre-made kind of character and skills. Like they're going to give you points. So it's up to you, but I just wanted to let you know that you have that as an option. Um, but, uh, oh, what I was saying is, is that as you're playing Phantom Liberty, there's so many things that harken back to your original playthrough of Cyberpunk. So many Easter eggs, your conversations of the relationships you made, who you sexed with you know whatever all of that continues and there's new conversations and missions and people you'll see in the world that you know you only heard about in the original game there's just a lot of really really cool uh world building um that i think improves upon that original foundation to your point hogue it's still not to the level where 
I see what you're saying, you know, person to person. Um, but it has a lot of that in there too. And I, I, I just love it. I love it a lot. Um, and by the way, I was playing, people asked me, I played on PC. Luckily I have my new PC. So I'm playing at ultra wide max everything with full path tracing and the DLSS 3.5 that just came out. So literally the top way you can play it. It is, I, I don't know how a game looks like that. Um, it's honestly the most impressive looking video game I've ever seen. Uh, at I will times. not be it just, playing it that way, but I've heard that. Yeah, it's it's mind boggling um, how impressive it looks. Some of the screenshots, like I'll just sit there and I'll be, they have photo mode, right? So I'm sitting on photo mode and I'm just looking at my screen like that is just remarkable. It's it's breathtaking, honestly. So breathtaking. There you go. You're breathtaking. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's good. It's that. good. Yeah, so was I. Yeah. If we you're looking forward to together, we didn't even hang out. Who no, we did. Out? We did not podcast together back then. In the night, ships <laughs> passing the night. We didn't know we were in each other's orbit all that time. All that time, we didn't know the love that would form. That's true. Shame. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you're uh, if you're hype, let me say this: if you already love cyberpunk, you are gonna be madly in love with phantom liberty and 2.0 um if you were on the fence with cyberpunk um it's definitely a much better experience it's a i say improved experience there's a lot there and the story of phantom liberty i think anyone can enjoy because it's that good um and then if you've never played obviously goes without saying now's the time to now's the time to give it a shot i I mean i for me i want to like it more than i do witcher 3 is one of my favorite games ever and i've come back to cyberpunk in like multiple attempts now and i'll, I'll yeah. keep going with this one it just is noticeably uh lessened by how much i've been enjoying starfield yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and i think they're both i'm love you know i mean i love cyberpunk already and what i've played of starfield i'm loving too i think they're both you know worthy of time right well I, I, I agree with you of both of them and i i think they're both great games i uh i think starfield clicks with me more on certain areas because it is very bethesda rpg and i do mm-hmm. agree with pogues like a lot of the world is sort of just like there it feels really weird to be driving around town and then all of a sudden some people just start shooting at you and you're like whoa hey what is going on here in this town but yeah it's like you know it's, it's, it's just i get i get that they're doing like the witcher formula but it just feels different if you're in a fantasy world and there's like a little a couple tents of bandits you know coming after you with crossbows versus like i'm in the street and there's just like a gang shooting at me as I drive by and I'm like, what's going on here? Why is this happening all the time? Um, but yeah, uh, I, I did finally beat cyberpunk. I think I told you guys this, I beat cyberpunk after the 1.5 version and have now like seen the ending, but I actually restarted from scratch for the 2.0 just cause I figured, you know, if I find a couple spare hours to get through it, I would like to yeah. like, get to Phantom Liberty. Do you have to get all the way through the story? see i don't know because i was it definitely won't start after the prologue so i finished the whole prologue thinking that was it and i could start it and it wouldn't let me it just says it's like on, on the phantom liberty menu basically in your new quest log it says you have to wrap up things in some in night city to some degree so it may be alluding to the fact that you do need to go through the story it could be the act two break though like that's when the game opens it could it could. So I don't know because I as I was on a time crunch, obviously, with yeah. the embargo. So as soon as I finished the prologue and I couldn't start it, I was like, crap, I got to figure out a different way. So that's when I pulled over my end game save and I just started from there. So I don't know, honestly. My plan um, had been to get to act two because I figured that's where it would be. But we'll okay. 
Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, it's funny about Witcher Three because I know obviously CDPR, and we talk about it. Witcher Three is one of my favorite games of all time. I would, I'd have to take a step back now and look at them holistically to see with 2.0, with Phantom Liberty, and this kind of end game cyberpunk. If if the game is up there with Witcher Three for me or not, I don't really know. What I will say is that in my review, I call Phantom Liberty uh, cyberpunk's blood and wine moment. Um, the the level of expansion, the level of addition, is very reminiscent of what uh cdpr did with blood and wine for witcher 3 um and i think it's just excellent so yes sir well, i'm excited about it i i have it on pre-order i'm looking forward to phantom liberty that's why i'm playing 2.0 um so yeah i jump back into that the last bits of my notepad here are that uh the switch <laughs> this is the whole show Hugs, Hugs, <laughs> Hugs notes it's the run of show <laughs> the switch is having a sale for the tokyo game show and so I picked up like a handful of JRPGs and other things that I had skipped basically because they weren't the highest level of my interest. So I'm playing like the Star Ocean remaster. I got Octopath Traveler 2 on the Switch. I had gotten it on the PlayStation before. Um, so I'm enjoying those. I love JRPGs. Obviously, I'm continuing to play Bat and Kaidos, which a number of people asked me about. I think that's a Switch exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also picked up Pokemon Scarlet. We had that, but I, I started playing it because we got the DLC, like the secret of area zero. And so I'm going through that a little bit. I never hate the Pokemon as much as the internet does, but I'm playing <laughs> Pokemon Scarlet as well. Um, that's awesome. Okay. I didn't want to skip over. Um, no, it's it. L- Ludwig says you need to do the voodoo boys quest before you can start Phantom Liberty. So I think you're right. Hogue. that would be act oh, two, okay. right? Where that would be very early in act two. Far. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there you go for anyone wondering. Um, but like I said, they according to the press release, they're going to give you the option to start Phantom Liberty directly if you don't want to kind of play through again or use your endgame save or whatever. So, all right. Thank you guys in the chat, by the way. Um, Travis, we've talked about a bunch of games, but anything else you want to chat on? Anything new, different you've been playing? Yeah, um, I, yeah I've been playing more Mortal Kombat 1. I started Immortals of Avium, which okay. seems uh, seems good so far. I'm it I is. Don't the, I don't think the writing's that strong, but I've yeah, heard good things about that game, um, but it's a shame what happened. Obviously, yeah. The, what what happened? I remember half, seeing half it their like studio a, got let go last week. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because it didn't meet expectations. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I bought it. I'm doing my part. Um, I played the beta <laughs> for uh, First Descendant. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you guys saw that one, but mm-hmm. it seems okay. I know they're. I think it's going for like a Destiny type vibe, which. Uh, you know, it's another one of those, but I did, I will say it, it felt significantly, it felt pretty good in the gameplay department. So we'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll follow up on that one. Payday three, my review for that is out in case you didn't, I think I had a review in progress last time we talked. And so the full review went up on Monday or Tuesday or something and like did that. I see an so, apology for server infrastructure or something about that yeah. game. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the payday franchise, they have always, uh, had really, really bad technical issues. And sometimes it takes them like more than a year to fix it on certain platforms. And uh, as soon as this game launched, I was like, yep, seems like they're doing that again. So you can play the game, but like, you know, there's bugs. The menu is like super unresponsive, which, uh, you know, can be frustrating. Uh, sometimes you'll have issues with matchmaking or won't be able to get online. And it is a, it is an online game. And so Payday 2 had a lot of the same issues and it took them like 18 months to fix it on okay. some of the platforms. And like this so far, people are 
pretty pissed at it because they want to play the game and it doesn't it doesn't work all that well um so even though i love payday and i want it i in my heart of hearts i want it to be a 10 of 10 game because robin banks is just awesome um uh i i gave it a 7 out of 10 which means good not great and a lot of the reason for that really had to do with uh the lack of content there's only eight heists right now uh and uh the fact that it just is rife with technical issues mm. and, yeah there's a good game in there but you have to you have to deal with the technical challenges that are pretty much always present so i know that yeah. uh alex was talking about playing with you because i know you guys got some games in together and his his yeah. kind of write up and what he said about was exact same thing you're saying basically there, yeah. there's a lot of fun there to be had if you're in there with friends and the heist but there's a lot of stuff you have to work around to have that fun basically yeah uh it, it that's basically exactly it uh yeah alex was fun to play with i mean when you get four people you know yourself and three others in a group and you're all communicating and talking about builds and trying to do like a stealth run at the bank where none of you guys get caught and you never have to even fire a single shot uh i mean it gets really intense you're doing like call outs and it's just like that's ultimate bank heist fantasy you know who doesn't want to mm -hmm. roll with their boys and and steal whole bunch of loot and and shoot at the cops if if necessary uh it's just a it's just a fun <laughs> game. i'd um, rather drop and, a nuke on arasaka tower but you know i get yeah, the point no. you're making yeah yeah that's I mean, look it takes all types of criminals. <laughs> it's really just a do you prefer war crimes or felonies you know what, what's I'll your, just sit over you? here twiddling my thumb. Yeah. <laughs> Hope's yeah. not commenting on this part yeah, of the show. Because you're because you're a goddamn cop, you lawyer. <laughs> God. I'm an officer of the legal system. Yeah, yeah this, this guy chooses this guy chooses Charmander as a starter Pokemon for sure, you cop. <laughs> I don't know how those relate, but I do believe I do. <laughs> Oh my god. Pokemon fans know. Every Pokemon fan knows if you choose Charmander like I don't trust you, bro. I think it was not <laughs> what they were. It was Charmander. And I picked Piplup at some point. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Anything else? You no, that's it. That's the whole post-it. Thank we you. We got through it. We got through it. Um, by yeah, the way, well, I want to mention that... Uh, also, I am playing Resident Evil 4, the new expansion, the Adewan one. I was just going to bring it up because I've heard it's excellent. I know IGN gave Great. it a nine. I know some other sites and I was like, perfect timing to get that game back up on the video game award list. Let's go. I love oh, it. Boy. Let's yeah, go. No, but I am playing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm more than halfway through the Ada Wong expansion and it's cool. It answers some of the questions about what she was doing during that Resident Evil timeline. And uh, <laughs> it does jump around a little bit is my problem with it, but I am surprisingly impressed i mean it's not a good system by any stretch of the imagination but it's more than i thought the stealth combat like like oh. ada is a sneakier person so you can get through entire sections without triggering the alarm and i don't even know if that was possible in base resident evil 4 game but it certainly didn't feel like it they don't really add a ton of mechanics around it like you can't like throw bottles or whistle or do any of that stuff but <laughs> you can sneak around and like get through sections without setting off the alarm which i thought was pretty cool hmm. so okay awesome um all right before we jump to our main topics here let's get sid is here from india with the four thousand rupees this question does it feel like games have started to include time inflating mechanics to their games as more companies start using playtime as their metric of success i felt this a bit in starfield intentional delays in the menu which i modded out and the type of grind in diablo 4 
and sorry, Travis, this is really uh, kind of put you uh, impossible to see here, but um, I don't, I, I don't know. Personally, I don't really know how to comment on this. I think there's obviously some games where uh, keeping the carrot on the string in front of the player to keep you playing, keep you playing is part of that dynamic and part of a game that's designed that way. I usually I think don't, of time inflation is subscription MMOs, right? Like they need to get you to the next month's subscription. This is why Netflix separates their their seasons into like part one and part two. But I think it, it's kind of conflating two points here because I think what is also being talked about with respect to like Diablo 4 live services and battle passes is just player engagement. So all these yeah. games can add these kinds of things. And to the extent that the metric of success is engagement, playtime, that's just based on the notion that if you're in the game, if you're thinking about the game, you're more likely to ultimately one day spend some money on some diamonds, jewels, stars, or whatever else we're selling to you to get horse armor or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I don't think, I certainly don't think Starfield is bigger yeah. because they wanted to delay anything or to inflate any time. And to the extent the menu isn't fast enough, that's just technical, I would say, more than anything I, else. It's, I, I think it might actually be flavor because the, he's talking about the intentional delays to the menu where things pop up and it makes it a little slower, but I think it's on purpose. The menu changes are for like the world aesthetic of like you open it up and then the menu's like doing interesting kind of you oh. know, movements. So I, yeah, I, I, I will say this uh, time, time player engagement is definitely a metric that a mm -hmm. lot of live service games or free to play season pass type games, uh, keep in mind and and exactly for the reasons Hogue said but that is not a metric for lots of games lots of games don't really care how much uh time you're spending in it i wouldn't expect that starfield cares all that much they they might care because they're a game pass game that's their one sort of like you know foot in the door of like okay well maybe maybe time spent playing the game does matter but it's also a bethesda game where I would argue that that's kind of always been their thing, right? They they like you to put lots and lots and lots of time into their games and they sort of design their games around being these massive inflated things. So I, I don't know if that's a, a great example. Um, but there are certainly some practices in the industry that are about manipulating the way you spend time that are bad. Uh, one of the ones I would argue is like, probably one of the worst ones is the way Ubisoft does XP in like their Assassin's Creed <laughs> games, for example where they will sell you a a download or a, a dlc that will um double the amount of xp you get and then if you pay for that it feels like the game is balanced better and if you don't pay for it it feels like the game is really poorly balanced in terms of how long it takes you to level up and get to new areas and that i think sometimes uh encourages bad game design when you're trying to keep people inside the game for as long as possible and then you intentionally sort of like put a damper on how fun it feels for the player to like level up at regular intervals and that sort of stuff because you're inflating it and i i think there is definitely an important conversation in there where is that line between keeping players in your game and actually doing things that make the game more boring so that people will spend money to to speed up the leveling mm -hmm. or whatever the heck and so uh yeah i, I uh it's an interesting conversation. I don't, I don't think Starfield's a good example for it, but there's lots of other examples we could talk about and the way that they design it is a little, a little sus. Can be can be a little questionable. Yeah, I think that's no well cap. said, Travis. <laughs> wow, it's a nice way to hear that from <laughs> I think that's well said. Uh, he followed up, Sid, and he said, for Diablo, I'm talking about the Aphex re-rolls on gear and the way it's done. 
Um, Starfield has intentional delay in menu navigation, which Rob Frawley commented on too. He said, the issue I have with Starfield menu isn't animations. It's the time during and immediately after those where the input is disabled. So the animations are fine, but locking out input is bad. Yeah, you won't you won't f- get any argument from me about Starfield's tragically bad user experience and UI. I think it's very very it, to me it it just annoys the crap out of me. So it's one one of the game's yeah. shortcomings, I think for sure. Yeah, and he said, "What about Game Pass metric?" I think that's what Travis commented on as well. Said uh, around um, yeah, time yeah. played. That is a it is a metric where they measure Game Pass success, right? That's definitely a metric. And if you could point to me to a game that Microsoft has made that very clearly stretches the time played for that, I will accept your argument because I do think that there is a little bit of a of a uh, it, they they have sort of they're incentivized to keep people playing those Game Pass games longer. But I just don't think Starfield's a good example just because they've always sort of been the type of game that they are i don't i don't see anything in starfield and go oh well they clearly changed that agree normal game design to make it uh play longer and i think there's better examples you could point to where you're like yeah like destiny is the one i go back to because i know the most about it but like they literally changed some of the way that their game works and the grind works because they care about player engagement so much and they're clearly trying to keep people in the game and i think uh a lot of that time it it uh, works against the player's interest which i'm not a fan of because i'm a player yeah Yep, I'm a player. No cap, and I'm a player. We have all no the commentary cap. here. I, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way, but I will take it. I'm a player. <laughs> Sid, thank you very much for the generous super chat. Appreciate you. All right, let's jump over then to our main topics. By the way, we've got nearly 300 hanging out with us. If you're enjoying it, share this out. Let people know. We appreciate it. Um, so Ho, you know, this is your topic. It's the first news, actual real news we've had on it in quite some time. But this week, the CMA uh, provisionally approved Xbox's acquisition of ABK due to the cloud rights uh, for 15-year, I believe, agreement being sold over to Ubisoft. It's uh, perpetual, but it's the next 15 years of IP. Of IP, thank you. Okay, and then the CM- CMA consultation is supposed to run through October 6th with uh, Microsoft coming out, I believe. I-, I checked this this morning saying they plan to hopefully close by October 18th. That's where the so- extension goes to. Okay. All right. So hit us. What we got here? Yeah. So I mean, it's it was big news in the acquisition. The CMA decided, as they basically had to, that if Xbox isn't taking the cloud rights to the Activision properties, that we can't get mad about Xbox having a monopoly in cloud providing services. So Xbox arranging to have all the cloud rights go to Ubisoft did solve the CMA's problem, which reasonable minds can differ on the legitimacy of. But the CMA is a big statutory process, and I'm an American lawyer. I'm not a United Kingdom lawyer. I can't speak to some of the specifics there. They have statutory requirements to kind of come to a final decision. It's a provisional decision this week. And once that happens, then Xbox will have approval from the UK and not being blocked anywhere else. You would assume the deal will go through on a very short-term basis. And yes, it would likely be before that October 18th date where the current merger agreement terminates. Because if they have to go past that date, they have to get another amendment from Activision. And while I don't think that would cost them much, you don't want to do it if you don't have to. So it for people that want the deal to close, just want the news to be done, it's it's a good day. <laughs> it's it's basically over, give or take. Okay. Nice. All right. I'm happy and for that- it to be over. Regardless yes. of what you think of market consolidation, like I think this was always going to happen and the fight was just 
it was super interesting and I like it when things get ugly and you get to learn a little bit about, <laughs> the, about the companies involved, which we learned a whole lot about the companies involved in this process. I think it's uh, I think it's ready for, I think everybody's ready to move on. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's I move am. on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, people ask me about doing a video on this and it's like, I, even if I did a video on the CMA, it wouldn't be until their final opinion comes out, not their provisional. Um, right. But this is really kind of just moving in the direction you would have assumed when the CMA decided to stop their their process. So yeah, so I definitely think the cloud thing is sort of BS, and Microsoft called their bluff because they know that that's not really that big of a deal, right? But uh, the, what what does it mean to not have the streaming rights to Activision? It means that like if Activision makes a new Call of Duty game next year, that only Ubisoft can provide a cloud version of that game, or what what's what does yes. that mean? Well, that the cloud version of that game would be published by Ubisoft. Would they publish it on Game Pass through xCloud? I don't know. Would they just put it on Ubisoft Plus? What is theirs called? I, I don't know. It is, Ubisoft, Ubisoft Plus. Plus. Yep. You can usually guess that it's Plus, but I don't, didn't remember. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, they have the rights, right? So, like, when you create a piece of intellectual property, you have the right to control distribution, the right to control copies, and you can divide that however you like. So, it's like when they make a Call of Duty game at Microsoft – then they have automatically licensed out the right to put it in the cloud to Ubisoft, exclusive to Ubisoft. They can't do it themselves. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a very s- simple concession. <laughs> well, it's a silly one, right? It's one that Microsoft yeah. didn't want to start with because it doesn't make a ton of sense and every other regulator didn't require it. Uh, mm-hmm. But Ubisoft's happy to pick it up. Yeah, for so sure. Is that is that only in the UK? In the UK, they can Ubisoft is publishing it, and, and Xbox can publish it everywhere else. Or are they giving up the the cloud streaming rights everywhere? No, I'd have to look at the press release again, but I believe it's everywhere. It's the, I believe the, it's the cloud everywhere streaming well. rights in their yeah. entirety, right? Because the UK wouldn't necessarily be convinced on the theory of what they put forth in their theory of harms if Xbox has those rights anywhere, right? Because the UK is looking at this as if if there's a monopoly in supply globally that will affect uk citizens so they didn't want microsoft to have the cloud rights period does that make a ton of sense i don't think it does but that's what yeah that's what they asked for it's a dumb argument but it's one that i think xbox is smartly saying it's not really worth collapsing the whole deal over so that's right yeah yep and you said it lasts for 15 years or indefinite It, it covers the next 15 years of activision created property and it's a perpetual license ubisoft will have those rights forever Got it. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting given some of the stuff we're going to talk about here shortly. But yeah, I think uh, nice to see that that's coming to a close finally. I mean, for me, I don't know about you guys. I see October 6th, I see October 18th. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, it's a little ways away yet. It's two weeks away. I for- I keep forgetting we're at the end of September. Um, so it's not far. Um, thank you. I appreciate the clarity as always. Um, so the, the big kind of thing in line with this this week, which was kind of wild actually, was the uh, leaks of all these Xbox internal documents, man. Um, there, there is an awful lot to, to go through here. I figured we'd cover some of the key points because I know everyone's been talking about it, but I wanted to touch on the hardware, at least some of the games um, and kind of Xbox strategy. So um, I don't know about you guys, but this was, this was pretty fascinating as well, in my opinion, uh, as I was looking through Definitely. all this stuff. Um, so let me get these added. So I want to be able to put some of this stuff on the screen, which I forgot to upload. I'm uploading those now. So we'll start with the uh, couple of major leaks. Um, so 
Next year is supposedly going to be a refresh Series X from Xbox. The code name was Brooklyn. It is going to be an all digital Series X with two terabyte hard drive or SSD, uh, a USB C front port, and a new controller, which is code name Sabeel. I don't know if that matters. Um, the controller itself uh, is going to be $70 standard controller, but it's going to have a bunch of new features, including the ability of lift to wake. So when you pick up the controller, it'll turn itself on. Uh, direct to cloud functionality. So you can use it direct to play cloud games uh, directly. Bluetooth, of course, and the, and the new Xbox wireless codec. Um, mo- I would say the biggest kind of news is they're adding precision haptic feedback, which you know a lot of people since the Dual Senses release have talked about. So Xbox is going to haptic feedback and potential for speakers within using those haptics. It's going to have a rechargeable and swappable battery, which is cool, um, and modular thumbsticks. So you'll be able to replace the thumbsticks as they wear over time, which is obviously a very good thing as well. So um, here is what uh, the controller looks like, by the way, guys. And there's been a lot of jokes about the fact that it's wearing pants. Mm-hmm. Um but uh you can kind of see some of the the features we're talking about here if you're watching us live sorry for the audio listeners we've got the uh the picture up on the screen but um generally speaking guys um you know it all comes down to personal preferences and ergonomics but the series x controller ergonomically is my favorite controller i think it's the most comfortable i think it's the the best to use um i of course uh do like the haptics in the dual sense i think they did some really neat things on the dual sense so i'm happy to hear that xbox is uh uh implementing those but i really like the sound of this this seems to be for me kind of the best of both worlds you get a rechargeable battery but you can swap it out once it starts to die right you can swap out your mm-hmm. thumbsticks if they start to drift or you have issues um you get the haptics, you get the speaker, you get the uh, the new wireless codec and being able to use it on any device, basically. Um, this looks really good to me, other than the pants. The pants look ridiculous, but, you know, I, from a feature set. Up. It's got a tuxedo on. It's going out for night. <laughs> but I, I like the concepts here. I like the technology um, on what they're talking about here. It also, I don't know about you guys, seems like a lot of controller for $70. Um you know, I know that uh, the DualSense is $70, and that makes sense, right? But the DualSense doesn't have all the features at the edge, like the swappable battery or the replaceable thumbsticks and modular stuff, right? Um, so that the fact that you're getting kind of all that customization or, or um, ability to, to uh, rebuild the controller over time easily is, uh, is impressive, assuming this also, comes as expected, right? Also, um, sub- I think uh, their theme with Sabeel, because their last controller, if I'm not mistaken, was Merlin, right? So it's like a fantasy, medieval fantasy <laughs> characters' enough. names. Fair so that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it says, say, yeah, in the bottom right there, you can say, same ergonomics as Merlin. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So Sabeel's is... the queen, right? And Merlin's the <laughs> wizard. So they're, they're just doing fantasy characters or medieval characters. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, the, the but trick I, with I, code names is you don't want them to be really obvious if, if just the name leaks. Like yeah. One of the problems that I have in my line of work is that people that are acquiring one of my clients or otherwise tend to name their projects like Project Wolverine or, or like Project Great Lakes was one of them. And it's like, guys you're trying to keep people from understanding what company you're buying. There's only one pharmaceutical manufacturer that it could be. <laughs> you know, gotcha. I mean, so it's like, yeah. Lay off yeah. with your project names. I know you, you like <laughs> feeling like you're a spy. So at yeah. least well, is like, that doesn't mean control. Yeah. Mer- Merlin and Sabeel, I would never have guessed were a line of controllers, but or I you guess could be on now the PlayStation it- side and just be big matrix fans, right? Those are Morpheus and Neo. 
That's true. <laughs> right. But now, right. But now, now if we see a medieval fantasy character name, we're going to know it's a controller project, right? <laughs> unless they change it up. Yeah, unless they mix it up, which they probably are going to mix up a lot of things after this leak. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing I didn't mention in the feature set, in the lo- uh, lower left there, you can see it's got an accelerometer too, which is how they're doing the lift to wake functionality from what i read but that also can play into other things as we've seen on like the switch right so uh the joy cons so pretty interesting all right so that was so i i actually don't have the picture but the series x basically looks like a it's like a round version of the series x it looks uh, like the original uh amazon echo yeah it looks like an echo looks like an echo yeah so the i the interesting thing here guys and i don't know about you because not obviously we don't know all of what xbox has cooking but from this leak we didn't see a mid-gen refresh from a power perspective right so it looks like xbox yeah. is kind of I, just playing into it's, it's not a hardware refresh it's like a exactly yeah exactly. it's like a design refresh kind of i don't know it's yeah design refresh and i know the die is smaller they talked about a smaller sock right and and stuff like that but that's pretty common right that's not like an upgrade it's not a pro it's not a you know, it's not the extra power like we saw with the One X, right? So, but it's pretty pretty set from what I've seen and understand that PS5 or Sony is releasing an upgraded PS5 next year. Um, the 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 leaks on that are very what I would consider uh, valid people I would trust, right? Um, so I think that's coming. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see if Xbox doesn't. Maybe they do. The prior rumor was that Xbox's upgrade, the One X, whatever the next upgrade was actually 2025 so it's going to be a year later kind of like the pro and the one x was in 2016 and 2017 we may still see that i don't know of course but if they don't it's going to be kind of interesting to see how the market reacts to a refresh series x with kind of the same hardware as today for the most part versus like a ps5 pro that would then take the power crown uh in the console space so it'd be interesting I think it's a very small market if the Xbox Series S uh, numbers are correct, which I think they are. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think the average person. I think there's a very small plurality of people who are even really interested in that high end stuff or have the television display that can support it. And that sort of yeah, you know, people are. People are buying all switches and Series S's. I think that's what I learned this week. Well, <laughs> it's not all of them. And as you said, Ains, uh, for people yeah. that don't know, all the information that we're talking about in this section was accidentally put up by Microsoft as part of their court filings in the FTC case. So there's no guarantee of completeness, right? The absence Correct. of something out of this list does not mean it doesn't exist. Correct. And all of this is from 2022, right? So yeah, this I mean, is I, a, a, yeah. I think it's good for people to see how long the runway is for planning major mass <laughs> yes. consumer products, but... What people will also see probably when these things come out is that this stuff, these specs, a lot of these might be just wish list items and that they might not appear when the actual product makes it to market. Correct. Or they might appear yep. in a very different way. Yep. Absolutely. Time. It's all subject to change. And it's funny you talk about runway because that's where I was going next, Hogue. So I, I think I mentioned when in June, um, you know, I talked to Jason Ronald, who is the director of hardware at Xbox. Super nice guy. Uh, seriously. Super genuine. And um you know, obviously he's not telling us what they're doing, right? But he w- he was stressing the fact of like the runway to your point of these things is extremely long. And if you read through some of these documents, um, you know, you can see the fact that they are eight and 10 years out in terms of signing contracts and planning hardware and things like that. So here's the roadmap that leaked, right? 
And basically, I'm not going to get into all the details here, but basically, as you can see, right, today, which was early 2022 when these documents were kind of put up, um, is here's how they're kind of focusing on, uh, if you look at the bottom line in particular in silicon, right, their hardware, um, they're talking about, if you read the documents, about having to sign with AMD in 2024 to be prepared for launch by almost 2029. Right. So they're talking about contract negotiations five years in advance. Um, and one of the things that I think is very interesting when you look at roadmaps like this in the console space is one of the things Jason kind of laughed about when people ask him, he said, is like, if PlayStation releases a pro, are you guys going to respond? And he's like, we don't respond. He's like, it's this is years and years in advance planning. Right. Sometimes those things line up between the companies and sometimes they don't. You know, well, you need those um, reunion agents out there taking data. Right. That's right. That's right. Corporate espionage. You got to do it, man. Those are my favorite quests so far anyway. Um, So anyway, yeah, it is it is kind of interesting. The other thing that they really spoke about, right, is the next gen would start in their mind as of now or as of last year in 2028. And it would be a hybrid cloud and console approach. So as soon as people heard this, they're like, oh, God, here goes Xbox with the cloud again. But I think what's really interesting, if you went into the details, was there's a focus on AI and machine learning. That should be pretty obvious to anyone right about now. Um, But if you look at this, don't panic, right, if you like your console. Because even Xbox, if you look at this projection through 2030, so seven years from now, they still see console being their biggest market. Um, even in, you know, seven years, a decade from now, basically. So the interesting thing here for me anyway, um, which I don't even know if I agree with, but I guess obviously they would know better than me, um, is I would expect the PC slice there to be larger, but they see as cloud first gamers starting to take over that PC market by the end of the decade, which I think is pretty uh, interesting. One thing that's interesting to note is that bottom, that bottom piece also says multi-device gamers, right? So yep. I would probably be a multi-device gamer insofar as I use Game Pass on both my Xbox and my PC. That's probably never, fair, yeah. I never think of myself as terribly PC-oriented. I'm certainly not PC first. So it, it, it's collecting things that are... That's true. Very not true. Not just Xbox. I mean, the, the, are, are, are we meant to interpret the lines as pieces of a pie or is cloud supposed to be significantly higher than the other two? This no, p- p- pieces no, of a no, pie, no, I think, just, Travis. That's just adding on to the total, right? Yeah, so it's a total. So, on the y. Oof, I hate this chart. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is like well, yeah, it, like, oh, it, This is Game Pass subscribers, right? So if you look at the yeah. left, that was kind of the point. They're hoping to hit around 40 million-ish this year, right? Or fiscal year 2023. Whereas they're hoping to hit up above 100 million Game Pass subscribers by 2030. Yeah, Got I mean, okay. Game Pass so, sticks don't exist now, right? I mean, give or yeah. take. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's one of the other hardware pieces that was talked about, right? Yeah. Yep. So they definitely have a plan. I I definitely it's funny because there was a lot of speculation during the whole court proceedings of like, oh, well, what did the CMA see that we don't know that made them worried of like or the F what did the FTC see that made them worried there's gonna be a monopoly? And now having seen it all, I'm like, yeah, there's no monopoly. There's no there's no grand plan that's like super scary that's gonna make them just have something that nobody else can possess so i don't know it's it's i guess that's comforting no monopoly coming <laughs> guys 
Yeah, so uh, I thought that was interesting. So uh, yeah, they 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 talk very clearly about all three markets: console, PC, cloud, kind of working together and being holistic, right, in their approach, which makes sense um, long term anyway. And leveraging the new hardware that comes into that. I'm not going to get into the weeds on this podcast, but there's if you go through the documents, there's some interesting commentary around how they're going to leverage cloud, right, and the technology in cloud that is being leveraged across all of Microsoft. So Nadella's vision is that you have four pillars all aligning together and you can use that technology across divisions one of which would be xbox right in gaming so it's kind of a if you're a tech nerd like me and work in the space it, it was very interesting to read through um but uh yeah i wouldn't panic i guess is the easy thing to say if you're a console gamer you like playing on your series x and ps5 and switch um they're not going anywhere anytime also, soon you're going to be okay the, the idea that the console is going to be like physically it's going to get some of the power from your console physically and then some from the cloud is not a new idea the switch does that right now and actually the switch does like a lot of like pure cloud plays or stuff where it's using part of your hardware and then the cloud with it so the technology is proven exists and also is the only way that you're going to have a more powerful machine without spending twelve thousand dollars on your uh, console so like you know what i mean that I, I, I feel like that thousand dollars, Travis. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't. Nobody. You does. had me at ten, but twelve. That's pushing. It. Twelve. Yeah, it's pushing. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that's the only way you can have a a console market in the future is is through cloud computing or at least some assistance from cloud computing. So it doesn't strike me as super crazy. Um, I I no. am one of those people who thinks that like everybody who says, oh, you know having native hardware is going to be a thing of the past because we're all just going to be living off of cloud computing for everything we do. People have been saying that to me since like 2015 <laughs> that that was going to happen the next yeah. year and it hasn't. And yeah. I, I'm kind of one of those guys who thinks everybody thinks that's going to happen sooner than it actually is going to happen. But I, I do think cloud computing is already a proven thing in gaming and it and it works and helps there's already probably games that you play that rely on some cloud compute for part of their processing i've seen yeah. some games do it for like ai ai will the ai logic will will come from cloud computing and then everything else from local hardware so um i i wouldn't freak out about that in general i i think microsoft knows that the cloud is going to be a big part of their future yeah well, it has to be the other thing I would add there, since Travis just said knows, is that I don't think people are necessarily knows. used to getting this kind of peek behind the curtain. And so this kind of stuff is happening all the time. These PowerPoint presentations, these board reviews, these are happening all the time. And all of these big companies have to have a vision of the future. You can't set up these projects and can't decide on these things now unless you have a certain kind of notion of what the future looks like. Yep. And, and what I would add to that is that even though they're big corporations and they're well-paid people and they're very smart and they have MBAs and PhDs and whatever else they've got, they're all still human beings. And Sony's got a plan too, and Xbox has a plan, and Nintendo has a plan, and they're all going to look a little bit different. And probably everybody is going to be a little bit wrong because nobody can actually predict the future. So when you look at these plans, this is what they think is going to happen. That's not a guarantee. Even they know that in the room. It's just their yeah. best guess, and that's where they're going to put their money and their effort. But... They thought Very that well there said. was a plan for the Xbox One, One. generation, yep. <laughs> and it didn't work. Well, that yep. wasn't a cloud thing. That was like an always online. He just means the, the plan yeah. for the delivery of the system yeah, and what it would do in the, the marketplace. They had, they had intelligent people thinking through the issues. They thought about them wrong. Yeah. Yep. True. Um, 
Yeah, 100%. And and like I said, that's kind of what Jason was stressing, right? They're planning 8 to 10 to 12 years out. And to your point, you're going to make mistakes. You'll get some things right. You'll get some things wrong. It's just, you know, it's the nature of it. But I agree with what you said as well, Travis. The, the, the whole kind of cloud-supportive computing power is already here. It's been here for a little while now. It'll continue to improve, right, over time, like everything. And uh, I wouldn't just panic around, you know, cloud gaming is going to kill your your console. That's not where, that's not anytime soon. It'll make your console uh, even better. Yeah, Probably. pretty much. Yeah. You There's some other Apple stuff in here. Console race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some other stuff here. Like I said, if you're really into the um, kind of um, the tech side of this stuff, there's some other stuff like this around AI machine learning and where they're going to, you know, kind of play in that space in different ways. That's all out there. So you can, you can uh, look that up and check it out. It's pretty good. NLP dialogue generation. That one. Yep. Natural language. That's literally yeah. what I work in. Um, yeah, it's, uh, that market is pretty crazy right now, as you can imagine with AI. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, the last thing, which is kind of the most exciting, I thought was, uh, fun, which was weird of these leaks is that Bethesda games leaked, <laughs> not Xbox games, but Bethesda games leaked. So we now know there was a lot of uh, stuff in that court case about the comparison between what they did with Bethesda and what they were going to do gotcha. with Activision. Yeah. Gotcha. So at the, anyway, as of this 2022, like we said, the plans were, uh, Oblivion and Fallout 3 are getting remasters. Uh, the next Doom is coming. It's called Doom Year Zero, and it will have expansions just like the other Dooms, modern Dooms before it. This, I think the most surprising to me was they're making a sequel to Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, I didn't feel like that game did tremendously well. I liked it, but um, hey, why not? Um, I guess we'll see who does it, right? Because Tango, I don't know if Tango's still doing it or someone else. Um, Dishonored 3 is coming. I know a lot of people will be happy about that. Dishonored's one yeah. of those franchises that a lot of people love. And then yeah. Indiana Jones seems to be further along than we thought because as of last year, they expected that game to launch this year. So uh, obviously it's not in early production. I would say it's at least in mid-production, depending on if anything's changed, obviously. But uh, kind of it's interesting. Not that they... this year, folks. I can pretty much guarantee that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Added COVID no. year, not for all of these. Yeah. What if it did, so. though? What if they shadow dropped it at the Game Awards? Shadow sure? drop Indiana Jones? Yeah. I remember I remember people thought they were going to do that with Dial of Destiny in the summer. They're like, oh, it's coming out this year. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. I mean, uh, these are all good games to me. I, I really wish that I don't I know you're like me, Travis. I really wish that said Morrowind instead of Oblivion, uh, like a Morrowind remaster. Uh, Oblivion I, in my... Fallout, I wish that Oblivion said Morrowind and I wish that Fallout 3 said Fallout New Vegas. New I Vegas. Really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the wrong yeah. son died. Yeah, Oblivion Oblivion didn't do it for me like uh, Morrowind and, and oh, I, I love like Oblivion. I mean, I, I straight love up numbers plays, right? Fallout 3 and Oblivion are their big sellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Skyrim's I, their I, biggest I, seller, but you don't need to remaster Skyrim. Right, so. but they already yes, did it. Been down that road with Skyrim. Yes, exactly. Yep. Fallout Three, I did like at least as I can remember. I liked it more than four, so I am glad to hear about that at least. Um, Fallout Three is a good game. Oblivion is a good game. I I will definitely be replaying both of these. It's just more like which games need a remaster more, or like a remake or something. And I don't know, man. New Vegas is goaded <laughs> yeah new vegas is one of those kind of cult classics people adore that game is it a cult classic i feel like it's just a classic no i think uh, it's a cult that's classic. yeah i wouldn't say that there's a huge audience out there calling new vegas a classic i think the hardcore gamers like really? 
us say it's a classic. Probably a Matthew but... Perry fan base somewhere that's just like that's their <laughs> mecca, but I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Um, so anyway, that's uh, there was other stuff to the leaks too. There's emails. There's Phil commenting on things like Nintendo and Valve, and you know, there's all kinds of stuff you can dig through there. That's interesting. But um, I think the emails I, are the most fun. But I love the emails are them. great, dude. I love the listening to executives so cool. talk at each other. Yeah, the, the yeah. funniest thing about the emails to me, I don't know about you guys, but having worked kind of in the space, right, with leadership like that is I think some of the people who either aren't in the, the corporate world or haven't seen this kind of stuff before were really shocked at these emails. And I'm like, these aren't surprising at all. These are just emails. Yeah. These, are, these are how was, people talk. What was surprising was the candor and politeness of emails because my emails would have been a hell of different, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, I, hope, I hope my emails never get leaked. <laughs> you know who's not on those CCs? General counsel. Because general counsel would have been, let's take this offline, gentlemen. That's the re- exact response uh, yeah. in yep. email. Yeah, because like, uh, like for example, there was a lot of hay made about the we should buy Nintendo email, and like my reading of that email was somebody on the board of directors said Phil, to Phil, "Hey, why don't we just buy Nintendo?" You you know who doesn't know anything about the games market, and then Phil yep. super politely was like, "Yeah, yep. of course we would want to buy them eventually, mm. but here's my super nice diplomatic way of being like, nah, that can't ever, that can't happen yep. anytime in the near future." Like that's yep. a high yep. read. A lot of people were like, "Oh." exactly that's kind of what he said he was like they have a lot of money they don't need us and a lot of those i mean again names you kind of said it best like if you have any understanding of the corporate world like you got that phil was saying in 300 words some like no like you don't know what you're talking about exactly exactly yeah (laughs) Uh, we were we were on cast we had cast go up on thursday and someone was challenging me saying but phil literally made a pitch to buy nintendo and i'm like no he didn't like you're you're reading that all wrong that's not what happened here my favorite email (laughs) correspondence was his internal communication to his people (laughs) when the release schedule fell apart Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just really like that because I know so many CEOs and executives would would read the freaking riot act at at their people on that email, and he's clearly pissed. Like you can get that, but yeah. he, he refuses to kind of pass the buck in a way that I think is useful for leadership. Now that doesn't prove anything until they actually get a cadence that works, and we've talked about that a lot in this space. But I did like seeing that in action because I unfortunately know a lot of executives that wouldn't be wouldn't be as genteel in that circumstance. Yeah. It, yeah. It, I think it, I think it, it gave me confidence and Phil spent that the right person is in charge over there. Uh, even though they're not always the greatest uh, company to uh, be, be playing their games on, which I'm an Xbox gamer. So I deal with that a lot. Uh, I, my favorite one was uh, the clip about where he was talking about um, what happened to AAA gaming after the, the decline of retail. Did any of you guys see that? Mm-mm. It's like a oh man, that's a great one. It was basically him explaining like the the tough situation AAA companies are in versus the indie market and his sort of read on that. And uh, I think it's like three or four paragraphs. And I was like, oh my god, this is so juicy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, there's one about studio closures. He comments on. I mean, there's just a lot that was shared this week uh, oh my god yeah. it was just a, a treasure trove i know everything xbox is going to do for the next 10 years it's nuts <laughs> what they Maybe. thought they were going to do yeah yeah <laughs> i think i mean i think a lot of this is going to come to pass but you at least like the main thing that you definitely know that you didn't know before is you now know 
what their vision of the future is and what why it kind of can explain some of the decisions they're making because now you know what their end goal is, right? Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, uh, just a, a point of clarity. Uh, Shane points out on Hoax Channel, which he's correct about, he or she's correct about, which is that the game list, the other stuff leaked 2022, the game list was from a presentation from 2020. So that's why things yeah. have probably shifted so much. I don't, so, I don't think that. I don't yeah. trust that game list at all. Even, even mm -hmm. if, even if Bethesda shared that list officially today, I'd still be like, eh, I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna actually come up when you think it is. Yeah, but we have an Elder Scrolls Six teaser. I mean, that's coming soon, right? Dude, I, that, that was that one day when they decided to tell us about Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six. Like that is just not what Bethesda does the rest of their lives. It's because they were trying to hire people. I have no doubt. I it think was it was because Starfield was, was so leaked, they just wanted to make sure that they got the name out, and then they also they didn't have anything to show for Starfield, so it was a big shiny object next to it. Mm, right, the Starfield yeah. teaser with just like the picture of the eye is the same day as the Elder Scrolls Six yeah. word in yeah. the sky. Yep, I honestly yeah. think that they were that they were trying to hire people. Like, hey, do you are you one of the many developers who loves Skyrim or even started your career because of Skyrim? Well, now we're hiring for this project and Starfield and. I don't know. I know. Yeah. I know that that's that's like I've I've heard from developers that that's why they announce games too early sometimes is because it's helpful for recruitment. Mm, interesting. Uh, Googleman five euros just says thanks for the scoops. <laughs> ice cream emoji. Awesome. Yeah, ice cream emoji. To be clear, Season Gaming did not leak these documents. Uh, we would have if we could have though. Yeah, not a Season Gaming scoop. <laughs> Hey, hey, leave our scoops alone. That's Thank your you, Googleman. court system at work, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, technically, it wasn't really the court's fault, but yeah. The... It was. The link was unsecured. The court wow. the court didn't secure. I thought it was supposed to be a public-facing link, and Microsoft didn't understand that. Uh, that was my understanding weird. was that the link that they were uploading to was supposed to be a secured one that wasn't secured and that they had a public and non-public version of those documents and the wrong one got up somehow into the unsecured link whoever's uh, fault that is it probably falls on microsoft's the most but the court definitely didn't help them okay i my understanding was that that microsoft didn't understand that the, that was a public link and they uploaded the private version to the public link and then it went public for everybody uh, for at least a little bit, but yeah, but either way, I think, I think it's a lawyer's fault. Case. I mean, that's just what happens. This is why yeah. they don't want to be involved in lawsuits. They don't want to be filing documents is that it's just the nature of humanity to get this stuff out, to make mistakes. However it is. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever believe in conspiracy theories where you think like the government has like orchestrated something, just remember the incompetence <laughs> of really smart people and their inability to keep things secret. And I think I find that comforting personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah very fair uh pompa with the five dollar super chat asked does this give competitors any advantage with these leaks hell yeah I mean, advantages with these leaks absolutely are. it does yeah planning wise you know what they're aimed at you know who they're likely to try to contract for you know what you need to negotiate if you need that capacity i mean one of the things you saw in 2020 was that there was manufacturing capacity issues with things like the chips that the the two consoles were using so yeah. if you can if you can frame out the timing that they're aimed at and what they need, that helps you in your manufacturing negotiations. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. You also learned about their profitability. You learned how much money they're spending to get games on Game Pass on day one. Uh, I mean, th there's like a lot of strategic and we know that Sony is a very aggressive or a what 
what Microsoft described in the courtroom as a hostile competitor. Uh, and they're very aggressive with like paying to keep games off of Xbox. And I think now they're in a better position to continue doing so, knowing how much Xbox is spending on certain games to get them on Game Pass. Yeah, and I think that all, all of what you guys said, yes. Uh, and I, I would think that last point you made, Travis, is absolutely true, but will continue to evolve, right? As if if they get Game Pass to the level that Xbox wants to get it to, once you start to get up into the 50, 60, 80, 100 million subs, the conversation is different because then your power over publishers to say, hey, you're not just going to get 10 million people playing your game if you're on Game Pass, you're going to get 60 million people uh, playing. Well, and I, I, conversation I, I, changes. I think that's persuasive to developers, but I actually think that makes publishers less likely to sign up to Game Pass because it means that more people are going to get the game without buying it. And so if you know that Game Pass has 25 million subs, then you know that the most you're going to give away is 25 million copies of that game. But if it were 100 million, then you have to wonder, okay, how much is this going to impact my bottom line? It might make getting games to Game Pass more expensive for Xbox. So it is definitely an interesting dance. I don't really know what the future is going to be, but we know the model works because obviously Netflix and every other subscription service out there is crushing it in the movie and tv space so yeah and and the to your point the game it'll depend on the game too right what type of game is it how big is this game what's the developer to your point yeah there's a lot of factors i will will say if if i had to have to object to netflix is crushing it okay well they're crushing it financially uh i'm gonna have to maintain my objection (laughs) really (laughs) i don't have a versus here that'll fit i don't think right uh, I also don't feel strongly enough to defend Netflix's profitability. <laughs> I'm just saying generally we know the model works because subscription services are doing well. Um, but the, uh, oh yeah, I, I was going to say the, if you, if you, if I had to choose between the two models, one where PlayStation gets its way and takes a game and puts it exclusive on their platform versus Xbox's model of putting their game day and date on X, uh, Xbox game pass, which seems to be like their equivalent of that. I do like Xbox's model better because it means that more players get to play it and they have like a model that almost seems like it's a, it's a, it's more pro consumer. Maybe. I mean, it's obviously pro them. That's why they're doing it, but it has coincidentally is also more (laughs) pro consumer uh, versus PlayStation's version where fewer people get to play it when they win, when PlayStation wins, fewer people get to play it when Xbox wins, more people get to play it and it's more accessible. And so I think that's kind of a, an interesting dynamic. If I have to pick a winner there, I'll say, I hope Xbox wins more of those deals, but um, it's a, uh, it's interesting to see their different business models and just how much they are fighting. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be interesting. One thing we know for sure is we'll have plenty to talk about for the future. Um, so, uh, game positive. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Eric says two seventy nine Canadian says can't stay, but wanted to say I love you all and f the Pats. Agreed. <laughs> Funny, I got dyslexic <laughs> for a second there, and I read it as f you all, and I was like, well, that's an oh, interesting. Oh, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> he yeah, would probably say game, that as well, from but game, from game positive, f you all. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thanks. Ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And then Sid with 100 rupees says, adorably all digital, huh? I certainly adore my RRR Blu-ray more than my Netflix sub. Oh, boy. Yeah. I have a yeah. problem with the people who are hammering on this. Uh, I don't think that's the... Can we agree that disc trays and whenever they're incorporated in devices, they are hideous? 
No, I'm not sitting weird. here fighting for physical. I'm just saying Netflix is not the, the most I am. well-run. Okay. Show. I'm not saying that. I, but I get this, that Amy is going to fight. But for. This, I'm, saying, yeah. I'm saying I think the adorably all digital was them saying it's cute because it can look cute because it doesn't have a disc tray and disc trays are hideous. And I would I say know. that is 100% true. Disc trays are gross looking. They make you have to make a boxy, stupid design. And the fact that they don't have to do that means that this console can look adorable I think that's a uh, fair. Okay, that's a fair. You don't, you don't have to make a boxy design. Look at. Um, and I also think the Series X is Tell a better looking. Tell me one. For that has a cartridge or dish tray. You're saying every it's console a, that's been made is square. Tell me every disc tray that doesn't have an ugly design. Series X. Ugly. I mean, it's, it's not ugly. A, it's it's awesome looking. Box. It's gross. It's industrial. Looking. No, it's not gross looking. It's better looking than the Series X than the Series S. The Series S is more adorable. The S, no, the Series not. S is cute. I don't want. Boom. I don't care if my console's cute. Well, they do. <laughs> That's why it's called adorably. We're arguing about the inclusion of adorably here. Okay, not having a disc tray. That's not what you said. <laughs> That's what they said. Adorably. I'm talking adorably about digital. Aesthetic. Yeah. I'm saying that they've included the name adorably because they said <laughs> you. It can, they have a better aesthetic. And I, I get it, but like- you were saying that's what they said. You said that every console with a dish tray is boxy and ugly, and I'm saying that's, that's not true. true. I still haven't named you. Still haven't Dreamcast. Named oh my god, that's a hideous console. All those. All right, we're, do, we're done here. here. <laughs> we're done here. We're done here. We're done here. I do think you're gonna have more fun form factors without the disc tray. I'm gonna side with that's what I'm saying. Well, well, of course. Yeah, I think that that was their point in adorably, and people are taking that and saying, "Oh, they're anti-physical media." That's not what that was about at all. It was like we don't have a disc tray, so we can make the we can have fun with the design. Like it gives you more freedom. That was that was my takeaway from that inclusion of adorably. I think people are attacking it for the wrong reason. That said, your RRR Blu-ray is stupid, and I hope physical media dies. It is not stupid I, because the four going to happen because 4K Blu-rays have a better picture quality than your streaming bullshit anyway. So uh, but it's better streaming. to have the disc. Apologies, what is RRR in this? It's a movie. It's a movie. It's a movie. Why, well, a movie? why are we sitting? Here? Yeah, it's a movie. Okay. you're just staring at me i'm like it's a movie i don't know what else you want me to say is it stand (laughs) for something it's just the three letters uh i can't remember it's on netflix which i think is why sid brought it up it is an indian movie um but it got it became kind of worldwide famous because of its action from what i understand i've only seen the trailer i haven't watched it yet so i don't know but i didn't know Uh, yeah, so I my problem with the streaming versus physical disc conversation is that they are not equivalents at all. Uh, the equivalent of a physical disc in the digital world would be you download the movie and watch it off of a SSD, and if you do that, you will get way better results than a Blu-ray. No, you don't. So no, you don't. Yeah, you do. No, yeah, you, you don't. Do. You're talking about no, you streaming. Don't. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, if it were downloaded the same data as what's on the Blu-ray, it's going to be the same, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's why it's you said much better results. No, it's not. Yeah, better results is you don't have to go get a physical disc. That is you a better, better result. results than streaming. Like, yeah, better me, results I, than streaming. Oh, better results than streaming. Yes. Yeah. The, my, my point is, is if you're equivalent, why would you ever pick to have the disc? The disc is, you know. Yeah, the disc can only be scratched. Because you can resell it. Yeah, people do that all the time for 13 cents at GameStop, I'm sure. Blockbuster video. Where are you selling these discs? Hey, as someone them? that worked at Microsoft and had to take all those, take all those discs. <laughs> 
People were this using is, that a lot. I literally physical sell games. Media. I sell physical games still today on my car. I look, if you're reselling your games, more power to you. I still think you're selling, you know, you're backwards, basically. You're living in the past. <laughs> I hope that your technology dies. You're back. Thank you. Thank you. For it. Yeah. Travis, the advocate for choice. <laughs> I just, I just, I want, I, I'm an advocate for progress faster than science is impossible. Well, I'm, I'm no, no, no dictator has ever said or not said I'm an advocate for good choices. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, my, sometimes, look, sometimes my choices are good choices yours are not look you know i'll give you an example vaccines are you advocate for choice or do you think people shouldn't be able to choose it depends on the situation but i mean the science oh, is clear behind vaccines there we go the science is clear digital yeah. is better so <laughs> my point is sometimes not having it sometimes people need to take their medicine and hey, i think physical media did is you see an that season gaming bitcast where youtube demonetized everyone that was <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, we went we went from blu-rays to vaccines that's a jump there my friend um no, no i'm a digital gamer <laughs> and i stream my movies for the most part but i would pay good money for someone to invent a better codec for black levels there's no question yeah. Sure. Yeah. And and I stream obviously, right? We all do. We stream a ton of stuff. But if there's a movie that I truly love, right, that I'm going to watch multiple times, I always buy the 4K disc because the quality. I will, is just say, the best. I, will, I will say this: when it comes to movies, the argument for physical is much better because their model is better. You buy a physical Blu-ray, and they give you a copy of the digital version. They do as give well, you digital too. Which yeah. Is, which is nuts. So like, you have no reason to buy the digital version. I'm I'm mostly talking about video games where I think that people buy physical media are getting grifted, but you know. And it's funny. Well, we're not going to stay on this, but it's funny because I say the physical guys would say you're getting grifted buying digital. Yeah, I, I think those people are on it. Because one, there are <laughs> digital games that have been taken away. Uh, there are and physical two, games that have been taken away too. But the same thing nowadays. True. But two, yeah. you have actually something of value in physical you don't have in digital. It's, it's night and day. Okay. You literally have about- something you can resell, period. Okay. There's no argument yeah. against it. Yeah, but there's a, there's a better benefit in digital. I'm not saying. What's the better reselling. benefit? The fact that you can have two copies of the game by buying it once, and you can't do that with physical disc. You have that's to share true. it. That's way oh, worse. You're talking about game sharing. Yeah. Okay. But I, I, every it, every game I buy, I can play it, and so can D, and we can play it together on the same copy. You get sure. two copies for the price of one. That's a benefit physical doesn't have. And I say you can take your resale potential and shove it up your butt because digital has way better benefits. Yeah, but what happens if I don't have someone I share games with? That doesn't matter to me. Yeah, and, and what happens if you don't sell your games because you're not a, a hobo reseller with a shopping cart running down the street? <laughs> no. That's weird. Who sells their games? I want to be on your side here, but you keep going into ad hominem attacks. <laughs> I know. He, he he keeps going all, all over I'm, the place. I'm, 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 I'm just talking shit. I, you know, I, but <laughs> my, my, my point is that like selling things doesn't matter to me. And so that sure. argument to me is just like, all right. Yeah, I'm so the value for digital is better for you. Good. The value for physical yeah. is better for me. Simple. I think I think you're ripping yourself off some of the value. <laughs> See, he can't yeah. agree, Kogi. He just can't let it go. One of those mornings for Travis. It's fine. Oh my god! I'm, um, I'm just talking to you guys. I, I don't mean any of this. <laughs> Shane G with the one one ninety nine super chat says day one Game Pass prices were insanely high. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Shane, but yeah. I think what was shown were estimates. I don't think they showed what was actually paid. I could be wrong, but I think I think he's talking about on leak. There were there were prices listed as to what they would have to pay to get that game on Game Pass on day one, yeah, but I think that I was saw, 
was the I strategy, think it was was the speculation. Yeah. The leak I saw was the strategy bound, which is where you get like 300 million for Jedi Survivor. Yes. Probably reflective of what Electronic Arts was asking for Game Pass inclusion for their other games would be my guess. It didn't reflect yes. a number that was quoted to them as best I could tell from what Correct. I saw in that document. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, but it, but you're right, Shane. They were crazy for sure. Uh, you mentioned Star Wars Jedi Survivor, by the way. It did uh, come out just yesterday, I think, uh, officially. That What's the guy who plays uh, Cal, his actor? Yeah, uh, Joker. That's Joker Monahan. Oh, he, he said on, you see, he said on stage yesterday, which we already knew, but he said, yeah, we're working on the third game. So without their creative annoying. director, right? So yeah. He, uh, he, yes. he leaked that. He leaked that. Like he shouldn't have said it. Right. Like he, <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> he probably shouldn't have, but right? yeah. it wasn't. No. Yeah. Um, thank you, Shane, for the super chat and Debbie W with the $10 super chat. Good morning. I've been listening to previous big ass episodes while dealing with a sinus infection and it's best friend raging migraine this week. Thanks for keeping me company this week. Love to all Debbie. Sorry to thank hear that. That's yeah. Debbie. I, I hear you. Yeah, that's uh, Who, that's rough. That's crazy that people binge us. Are we bingeable? Uh, that's crazy. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I should apologize. Yeah, <laughs> no. I, I feel like, dude. I can't even. I can't even deal with three hours a week or <laughs> how the heck are you? That's, that's, that's awesome, that, Debbie. Have thank you. Considered you. maybe we're the reason you have a migraine. <laughs> it is possible. I think Travis is it getting worse? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Debbie. Appreciate you. Hope you feel better soon. Seriously, that's that's a bad combination right there. So, um, so guys, I wanted to touch on uh, Tokyo Game Show, and funny enough, there's some Game Pass news in here as well, and some exciting stuff. I know we're pumped for. Um, but out of Tokyo Game Show, there wasn't really a lot of kind of big things uh, that I was hopeful for, but some cool announcements. So we we learned that Octopath Traveler 2 is coming to Xbox in early 2024, which is just, again, more people get to play the game. That's cool. Um, we get Like a Dragon, Gaiden, the man who erased his name. That title's crazy. Uh, it's launching day one on Game Pass. So it's coming to all platforms, but it's launching into Game Pass on November 9th, which is cool. Uh, like a Dragon, Ishin. Is coming to Game Pass later this year. I believe Ishin is the one that re-released earlier this year, right? Yeah. It's like it was a remake. Of the old one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which I bought and I, I literally have it. I haven't played it even a minute. Um, and then Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, which of course is the sequel we've all been waiting for, is releasing on January 26th. And I could not be more excited for this one, guys. Like a Dragon was probably my favorite JRPG in a very long time. I love that game. I love that game too. I, yeah, I, the, the Yakuza series. I've I've played most of them, but they don't really connect with me super hard. Like I'm not like mm. Dan on them, where I'm like super into that world. Mostly because I have a hard time with reading subtitles for 40 hours. Um, but like a dragon, like I'm now diehard. Like I'm gonna play every yeah. single that friend. Like if it if Ichiban's in it and it's turn based, <laughs> like I'm yeah. there. And I will say I've been a little worried by by the previews that only have Japanese. I'm really hoping that they'll also dub this one because that that made yeah. it a lot more accessible to me. Because if you're spending like hundreds of hours or like 80 hours in a game and you have to read subtitles all the time, I I I've at some point I get exhausted by that. I just have to turn it on. I gotta believe they'll dub the newest. I, I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah, especially I think with the success of the last one, right? I mean, this is. It's going to be a big game. I also love the time frame here. I love that it's releasing late January, at least as of right now. It's a pretty clear calendar for the start of 2024, right? So that late January plot is nice. There have been yes. a lot of good successful games right then. 
100%. So I'm hopeful for this one. They did not say this one's coming to Game Pass, uh, so it's probably not at launch, but it, obviously given everything else going on, you know, it probably wouldn't surprise to see this come later. Um, and then I know Travis is pumped about this one. Uh, Xbox announced that Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy is coming to Xbox Game Pass and PC Game yeah, Pass on baby. September 26th, which is literally Tuesday. It's coming Tuesday. Yeah. And then Apollo Woo! Justice, which you can tell us about this in a second, Travis. Apollo Justice is another trilogy which will arrive on Xbox uh, and Windows in early 2024. It's it's a turn. It's Ace Attorney four, five, and six. It's just a different main character. It okay. is well, well, well. It's a main, different main character in some of them. At least one of them. Okay. Yeah. But those so games cool. are great. So the original trilogy. Uh, is awesome. I feel like playing it on Xbox is the worst way to play it because it's a it's a uh, visual novel, and for me, visual novels are better like on a phone or a portable device. Where you, you could can, you like, could play it on uh, XCloud though on your phone. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I did play it on Xbox. I got every achievement. It's a, f- a fine way to play the game. It's it looks great. It does all the stuff you need to do. And then uh, the Apollo Justice announcement is awesome because four, five, and six are amazing games like so so good and I'm, i've been looking for an excuse to replay them and getting all the achievements for the all three of those games on the xbox version like i'm there man i'm playing that nice. in january for sure very excited <laughs> so is is phoenix right the original trilogy and apollo justice yeah. is four five and six correct yes. Yep. Okay, do you need to play one two and three to understand four five and six no they all connect a lot but they they yeah. all connect a lot, but they the uh, Phoenix the series does a really good job of like never referencing what happened in the previous game as like a they they make the smallest like an out like uh, references, but they try to keep like things vague so you can understand it. So my first Phoenix Wright game was actually number five. I reviewed it for some reason. They were just like review number five. <laughs> and that was my first experience, um, and I went back and played uh the other four and then eventually six when it came out but i think you can play them in whatever order but certainly the best way to play them is one the only problem is some people have a hard time with playing one two and three because they are extremely old and they have some design problems in playing that so i actually recommend when my friends when i'm trying to convince people to do it i always say play dual destinies because it's a more modern game it came out in like not that long ago and it feels more modern and then if you love that game then you can go back and play one two three and four uh but yeah you you, you could play them in whatever order but cool. I, I would definitely recommend Crawl. yeah i mean the interesting thing travis is exactly right they do need to reference prior events they do it a lot the, the, the characters are related to each other but the one thing you'll definitely notice if you play them in order or even if you don't is that they will whenever they get to the part where they would explain what the mystery was or what the solve was or who was guilty or who wasn't it'll kind of just get really vague Yep. It's a little bit tricky to understand what they're talking about sometimes, but they won't they don't want to give you the answer to a pre or to a prior case that they've done. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, who knows, Travis? Maybe this will finally get me to play it more than the couple hours I put into the Switch one I bought. Um, we'll see. Um yes, the one the one that you bought is actually a spin-off. I just had you I, I suggested you buy that one because it was the newest one and it has like you know, is it's he playing like very accessible. Yeah. He's playing Ace, uh, the great Ace Attorney, uh, hmm. which okay. uh, th- those games are great, but they're they're that's a duology uh, that is completely separate from the main Ace Attorney trilogy. I'm also surprised that they're saga rather. I'm also surprised that they're describing four, five, and six as a trilogy because originally there was the original Phoenix Wright trilogy, and then there was four, 
which sort of feels like its own game. And then they were going to do five, six, and seven. And so I thought it was oh. two, tri- two trilogies connected by a middle game. And it seems like they're rebranding it now where it's two trilogies, but six ends on a cliffhanger. So I'm like, is there going to be seven, eight, and nine? Like, are you committing to three games? Because I thought that seven would be the final chapter in the Ace, the, the Apollo Justice trilogy. And it seems like they're really rebranding the timeline here. So I'm, I just, I, I don't know what the future of Ace Attorney is like, and they will not tell us. Last Ace Attorney <laughs> game was like 2016. It was like a long time ago, man. Um, so I've been waiting okay. for a sequel here. Okay. Well, this is still cool. Good news, especially with the first trilogy being on Game Pass. More people will obviously play it. So that's good. Everyone should um, play it. Play it, man. It's, worth it's it. great. Okay. Just don't take your understanding of the justice system from it. <laughs> I think you should in Japan. <laughs> if you're in Japan. Apparently. Yeah, I've heard I, once you beat that you trilogy, story, you can actually be a lawyer. That's what I heard. Did I tell you the story, Hogue, where uh, my my I have another gamer buddy who's also a lawyer, and he told me that he practiced in Japan, and he was like, honestly... It's not really a. It's not really that different from the Japanese legal system. I was like, "What?" <laughs> He's like, "Yeah." So there's weird, uh, like in in a, in the American version, the localized version, they make the the setting in Los Angeles, and it's like an all. It's kind of like an alternate reality version of America, where post World War II, we didn't do internment in California, and the culture kind of went like they they created like a whole alternate timeline for the american translation of phoenix Wright, uh and so it feels like sci-fi and okay the legal system got corrupted at some point and then in the japanese version this is just what i'm hearing from people who've played the original japanese version it's just sort of like depressing because it's this them going no this is the this is us criticizing the japanese legal system as it exists today and so some japanese gamers play the american version (laughs) because it's like a little less attached and kind of more fun and whimsical uh, but yeah, I, I love Phoenix Wright, man. It's it is very fun and whimsical. One, one of the best stories ever told in games. <laughs> Bar none. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. Well, yeah. well, uh, well okay. Hogue. We're, we're going to move <laughs> on from that out. one. You don't get it, man. <laughs> um, a couple other things. So Capcom showed off a big thing. They showed off was Dragon's Dogma 2 uh, with 10 minutes of footage. And uh, people seem to be raving about that. I am not uh, the expert on Dragon's Dogma. I know that's another kind of cult classic, one that people have loved for a very long time and super excited about too. So this was cool. And then uh, Phil Spencer did just tease from an Xbox side that he's uh, seeing meeting with Kojima this week, I guess, to, to continue checking on the project, whatever they're working on, uh, you know, for Xbox. So who knows? It'll be weird. I'm sure of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, weird. Yes, for sure. All right, guys. Uh, Debbie followed up, by the way. One more super chat from Debbie. Five dollars super chat. She said, To be fair, I started with the Forza Horizon 5 episode. Thank you for all your work with the bonus boards, Travis. I greatly appreciate it. So that's going back. Nice. That's the, that's late 2021. That's Forza crazy. Horizon 5. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, I reviewed that. Board. Yeah, you reviewed it, and I did their map for the yeah. wiki, so I found every yeah. collectible bonus board and fast travel board, which is... <laughs> that game's awesome. What it a great is. game. It's game really of the good. year. I yeah. <laughs> um, All right, guys, it's time to have a little fun as we uh, get to the late part of our episode here with... We're going to go over our top 25 games of all time. Now, to be clear... This isn't going to take an hour. This is going to exchange. We're going through it. Um... This is just for fun, obviously. 
Uh, and we're going to start with Travis because he's on the hot spot. Of course, he loves he loves this. Uh, Travis what? did say that these 25 are his definitive 25. Uh, no other game would ever move in and out of this. And oh, he God. was purely 100% decided that these were permanent. They will never change. So um, let's start. Travis, walk us through. Walk us through. All right, I'll do quick justifications because I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to. This is such a tough conversation for me to have, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to spend a bunch of time on it. Minecraft is the greatest game of all time. It is uh, almost favorite. Remember, we're talking favorite, favorite. I mean, but when I say greatest, it's uh, assumed that my opinion is in there. So I'm just going to say <laughs> what I believe, and then you can assume that in my opinion follows every sentence. Um, <laughs> Minecraft is the greatest game of all time. Almost perfectly designed game, limitless creativity and potential. Uh, I've spent thousands of hours in that game and I probably will play even more. Great game. Halo 2. Awesome game. Legend. Uh, one of the one of the most transformative games when it comes to online play ever ever made, which I think is uh, a huge a thing to its credit. It's also one of those games that had a fantastic campaign and multiplayer that I feel like is rarer and rarer these days. Now there's really not many franchises that you really expect it to have a good campaign and also multiplayer they kind of pick one or the other these days so i, I think that's such a such a huge leap forward for the industry witcher 3 i don't even need to talk about that one you get why it's oh, one of the best goes games without ever. saying dark souls inspired uh game design for generations <laughs> apparently uh yep. and uh also just one of my personal favorite games i i played that game back when it was when people saw me playing it and went, what is this game you're playing? And I was like, Oh, like nobody knows about this game, but it's really awesome. So I liked it before it was cool. Hashtag hipster. Um, Bioshock. <laughs> I love this game. I'm a big uh, politics guy. Uh, and he's a Randian. He yeah, loved Atlas Shrugged. How dare you, sir? Uh, no, I, I think uh, I, I really like the politics and the story and the themes in Bioshock. Uh, one of the greatest, a cautionary tales of Randy and objectivism ever told, I think. Uh, and also I think it, it, it really reminded a lot of people that you can have adult themes and complex stories in games. And I think, uh, other games have followed that. So I think it had a huge impact on the industry. And that's old Republic. I, I mean, this is Bioware at their best, in my opinion. I also just love star Wars. So I'm kind of biased that game changed my life i was in high school when it came out i think i was a freshman actually i think i was in middle school uh but All it was right, a really good game stop uh, it, really man. good game really good game uh super mario 64 what can you say one of the greatest platformers ever made i still go back and play this game every once also in a while. transform transformative for the industry very I, so you're probably seeing a theme here which is for me games of the year or stuff like that that to me it has to be something that really pushed the industry forward and i think i could justify that each of these did that in some way and that's also why they're so diverse like each of these games are different genres and different uh they're just different types of games um but yeah super mario 64 i just adore that game um uh, and I love talking to Mark Medina about it because he's a speedrunner in that game still to this day, which is crazy. Um, Morrowind, Bethesda game design at its best, I would say. It was a, <laughs> that was back when they their ambitions out uh, were beyond their reach, and I think that that came in uh, a really good form in Morrowind, and I think uh, lots of their game design has been informed by that. So even if it's not cited as like the reason people design games in the way they do i think that its dna can be seen in all of bethesda's games since and i think that's 
super important. Uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time is very similar. Their DNA, DNA is in a lot of games like that. Uh, I know people love Majora's Mask. I also love Majora's Mask, but to me, 90% of Majora's Mask is Ocarina. I think it's hard to separate that for me. So I, I just really like Ocarina. I think it's one of the greatest games ever made. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. I, in my, by my money is the best visual novel ever made. And I think visual novels are awesome and more people should play them. Uh, I think that game kind of paved the way for visual novels to be mainstream, which I think is cool. Half-Life Alex, greatest VR game ever made. Enough said. I, I get excited about the future of VR because of that game. I hope other games will, uh, start coming out in the near future that come close to that one because it just, it, it showed us kind of the way. When it comes to making VR games, it showed us what they could be like and how they could be amazing masterpiece level experiences. Grand Theft Auto V, love that game. Great story. The online multiplayer is some of the most fun I've ever had. Uh, I love uh, satire of American culture, and I think this does it uh, better than other games have. Uh, so that's my pick from the GTA vibe. Uh, Arkham City, great game. Enough said. I love the story. Getting Batman right in all the right ways was really good. Obviously, I love the first one, but I think uh, the first one was a really good proof, proof of concept to what Arkham City uh, eventually was, which I think did most of that stuff better. Um, Secret of Monkey Island. <laughs> I, I love this game. <laughs> adventure games, again, this is one of the ones I think adventure games, uh, it elevated that genre and made them, uh, it made it inspired a lot of people to make adventure games, and I, I love adventure games, so... Super Metroid. Uh, this is honestly on here because it was one of my first games ever, and it made me want to be a gamer. Uh, and I also think that it, I mean, I think it perfected the Metroidvania um, format that now lots of people have used. And I go back and play that game sometimes because I just love it so much. Uh, Doom, the original Doom. Amazing. Classic. Person shooter. I mean, if you don't know how that game impacted the FPS genre, basically invented it, which is which is awesome. Uh, and I, I again, that's another one I'll go back and play co-op with uh, some some of my friends just because it's great. Borderlands Two, I think Borderlands Two deserves a lot of credit for looter shooters uh, and and also for live service games. Kind of, it was pre live service, but it showed us why people would want to play a game for more than like the first year it was out and i sunk hundreds if not thousands of hours into that game and i think uh a lot of the looter shooter it, a lot of the like destiny type games and if you're into any game with a loot game in it i think borderlands 2 was probably an inspiration for that game fallout new vegas i love not because of its bethesda bones but because of its obsidian bones and the fact that it uh does choice better than any game I've ever played to this day. It makes you feel like you have an impact in every possible way on every faction and the outcomes are unique and you could play that game five times in a row and have completely different adventures. And I think that's just really cool. It's small and condensed and it does everything uh, that it wants to do super well and makes you feel like you're, you know, uh, impacting the world, which is really cool. Travis, Pokemon, what would you say to someone who proposes that all five versions of Fallout New Vegas are boring? Uh, I would say that <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just disagree with that. I okay. mean, I get if you don't like um, if you don't like the VAT system, I really like the VAT system and enjoy Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 for it. But I would say it basically does everything all the other Fallout games does, except for it has a legit good story with interesting decisions and factions. And you can kind of like I've had deep philosophical debates with people about which faction actually has the best 
outcome in Vegas and creating the future. And I think there's a legit argument for any of the factions. Like you could, you have to go pretty crazy to justify like the Legion, but you can get there uh, if you're going for like stability and survivability and longevity. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I really like Vegas, man. I, I 100% of that game and all the expansions too. It's a great game. Um, you don't like it, Hogue, huh? Not a big fan uh, of Vegas. I like Fallout 3 better than New Vegas and I've liked Obsidian mm -hmm. games for a while. I just thought, New Vegas, New Vegas wasn't that interesting to me. I, I thought it, it would be click. better. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I really like that game. Uh, Pokemon Gold. Uh, I really like the Pokemon series. Obviously, they've inspired a ton of games in the future. Uh, just going forward, obviously, the Pokemon or the monster collecting as a genre is starting to emerge. And uh, actually, it's more than emerged. It's just a full genre now. Uh, and I think, uh, obviously, that's owed to Pokemon. The reason I choose gold over red or blue is red or blue to me, uh, obviously, very good blueprints. But I think gold and silver changed the game because that game actually has two games in it. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but after you beat the game, then you go to the original island from the original game and you play through all of that. And it just like totally blows you away with its end game. And I think that is just so awesome. Portal, I think you know why this game's great. It inspired a bunch of games. I love puzzle games. I almost put a, um, a different puzzle game, The Witness, on here, uh, but I just... Oh, no. I'm glad yeah. you went Portal. Witness is... You don't like The Witness? Oh, God. It's oh, so my bad. God. The Witness is so good. So, oh, I, so I like bad. The Witness better than Portal, I do. Oh, yeah, I, I, so I, 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 I kind of agree with you, Hope, that The Witness is better than Portal, but I think that The Witness kind of owes a lot of what it does to Portal, and I was kind of going for, like the stuff that I think has sure. pushed the industry forward. And I, I see portal as kind of the progenitor for a lot of puzzle games. And I, I love portal as a game. I, it's also a comedy game, which I think is, uh, you know, that I, I lean toward comedy games. I love, I love comedy games. So Hades, I think perfected the roguelite genre, uh, which I love that genre. And obviously there's lots of games coming out like it. It also like a lot of games on this list has a crazy post game where you can play it for like, hundreds of hours and still find new stuff and new dialogue and new story beats. I think you have to beat the boss like 10 times just to get to the credits. And then after the credits, there's like a ton you can do by doing additional playthroughs. Um, Dishonored. I love pure stealth. Amazing. The way the decisions you make in that game are about how you play it. Mostly. I mean, you make other decisions as well because you can get different outcomes in the ending, but like, I love the, that you're always constantly actively thinking about how your actions are impacting the world with not just dialogue choices at the end of a cutscene, but with like literally moment to moment gameplay, you're making decisions. And I, I think mm. that's, that hasn't been replicated since Tetris. I love it's kind of almost a perfect game. <laughs> like you can just play that for hours and hours. Uh, Timeless. And, um, yeah, timeless, timeless timeless game like you just who doesn't like that game grim fandango this is sort of in the same adventure game genre uh and also a comedy game like monkey island but uh grim fandango just inspired a lot of my like i, I love the story in the world and uh i also just wanted to get a double fine game on here and i think double fine i think this is one of their best games um and then guitar now, hero now travis yeah, grim fandango is a lucas arts game oh sorry lucas arts i was thinking because it's schaefer right to it is. Yeah, uh, it is a LucasArts game, just like uh, Monkey Island. So, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. I forgot about that. Uh, but but I do love Grim Fandango, and that's another game I'll go back and play occasionally just because it's a classic to me and a uh, special place in my heart. And then uh, Guitar Hero, which not doesn't seem like the type of game that I would play, but like, what a vibe this 
game was and obviously i rock band i think is probably even better but again this is kind of the progenitor that kicked that whole wave off i love games that use interesting and weird accessories i was gonna put dance central on here but honestly i feel like (laughs) dance central oh i was gonna this was going to be dance central slot here but i i honestly just think guitar hero dance central wouldn't exist without guitar hero and i think guitar hero is more ubiquitous and it speaks to a fantasy that everybody likes and it uses peripherals in an interesting way. So I feel like that's got to go on one of like the greatest games ever. So this is my list. I like it. Cool. Yeah. I like it. I like it. We share a few games. Um, But I think, I think, I think why I wanted to do this was it's just cool to see because it, it brings back memories of a whole bunch of games that you haven't thought about in a long time. So uh, let me go. I'll do mine because Hogue went with Hogue's notes in note form. Yeah. So at least mine is my picture form. Um, and it goes without saying, there's a lot of things that can be moved in and out of this. Nice. Uh, so Witcher 3, we already said. Th- no explanation needed. There's four uh, Halo games on your list. I know, I know. I did my that on purpose. God. I did that on purpose. <laughs> um, so Bioshock, I think, is legendary. Uh, I think that game just does so many things well. I just, I love it to death. Red Dead 2, as I've said many, many times, I still think that's the this greatest. This is in order, right? Like, it, it, roughly? No, no. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe the top five or to 10 maybe but not really you think bioshock's the greatest game of all time no that's what i mean it's it's not in order no um red dead 2 i think still to this day has the best game world ever created um you know you can argue about certain things of the game of course some people liked it some people didn't but i think game world that is just it still blows me away elden ring is way up there i think elden ring did things for the souls genre but also open world games that is just remarkable i'm still i have like 400 hours in elden ring i'm still discovering new things i missed uh, and new things that can happen in that game, as are other people. Um, from a Souls perspective, I also love Souls 3, one of my favorites of all time. I think that's right up there. It's my second favorite Souls game behind Elden Ring. So that's on there. Uh, I'm running through these, as you can tell. Fantasy Star probably might be the oldest game on the list. I'm not sure. Um, that is the, if you don't know Fantasy Star, it was the Final Fantasy from basically Sega at the time. Um, and I think Fantasy Star 1 is better than Final Fantasy 1. Um, it does a lot sure. of things, um, you know, independently. But that game, a lot of these games, my theme to Travis's theme was like, Travis's, you said a lot of these games not only have meaning for you, but move the industry forward. A lot of my games on the on this list are really like memories. Memories that I had with friends, uh, with families or events or things like that. Uh, so Fantasy Star is one of those games for me. Um, I still think Last of Us, Last of Us hit me in a way story-wise that is very meaningful there's a number of reasons for that i won't talk about but uh that story means an awful lot to me so i love it super mario world i think is kind of the pinnacle of 2d platformers uh at least it was at the time it's still up there uh as one of the greatest and one of the just games i can play endlessly just for fun it's pure joy that game uh gears of war 2 i'm a big gears fan i think 2 is still my favorite uh i loved i had so many ridiculous memories of the multiplayer in that game as broken as it was um, but the story itself is uh, is great too, and I just yeah. I back in the Gears two days, which was two thousand eight, if I recall correctly. Um, I actually played with people at Epic Games at the time, and I knew people that worked there, and it was just so many fun nights with that game. Uh, Mass Effect one goes without saying, the best Mass Effect game. We all know that. Um, so that's yeah. a that's an easy one. Great sci fi universe, amazing Bioware game, um, one that I've replayed multiple times. Cyberpunk made the list. Now, as we talked earlier, we kind of already touched on that. So that's up there. And it's, you know, now given its state. Of course, I had to put four Halo games because it's me. So are, the, um, are those in order? Are those Halo games in order? Because I have questions if so. 
No. Uh, you know I think surprising to me, there's not a driving game on here. Th- no, and I know. I, I had a Forza on there. I had Forza 2 and Forza 4. I also had Gran Turismo 4 and Gran Turismo 2, kind of the similar 2 and 4, my favorites of both of those. Um, but they just... Mortal Kombat 2 on my list. Banjo-Kazooie is <laughs> a good pick. I didn't even think about that. Banjo-Kazooie is a good pick. Yeah, so no, Halo is just, uh, believe it or not, I already have a thousand hours in Halo Infinite. Um, so I play that all the time. Uh, four, I think, has one of my favorite campaigns. Two is legendary. You already covered that, Travis. It's absolutely legendary. And Halo CE would just kind of blew the industry away and oh, what an God. FPS could do on console. So uh, I had a my... hard time choosing between the two because yeah. Halo and Halo 2 are both so iconic. But eventually went with two just because I think it had more impact on like Agree. the trajectory of games. Yeah, Agree. Uh, Mortal 2, Street Fighter 2. I was a big fighting game arcade guy, played tournaments in both of these games. Uh, I love them to death. I think that 2 and 2 are still the best ones. Obviously, you know, we've come a long way since those games, but they they created a generation of fighting games, which is just timeless. Uh, Final Fantasy 2 and 3, otherwise known as 4 and 6, of course. I went with the American cover art here. Um, just games that had a tremendous impact on me as a kid on the Super Nintendo era. Uh, those RPGs will always forever live in my mind as some of the all-time greats. Banjo-Kazooie, the, the superior game to Mario 64, as we all know. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to fight you that much on that one. Just because, honestly, like, like you said, my tilt is comedy games. And Banjo-Kazooie cracks me up every time I play it. I love that game. Banjo is amazing. It's a classic, yeah. and I will continue to preach we need it to come back. Um, I cheated a little bit here with the modern 2D Raymans, Legends and Origins. They are incredible, incredible platformers. I love platforming games, and they are two of my favorites. So I there was a little art there with both of them, and I said, okay, I'm going to cheat and put both of them there. So. I would have picked Ori over those games, personally. I think Ori is the best. Uh, Ori is excellent. Yeah, it's a little bit different, right? More of a Metroidvania than a platformer, yeah. per se, but... Yeah. Psychonauts 2, same thing I just said. Uh, love platformer. Psychonauts 2 is freaking brilliant. It was almost on my list, again. too. Psychonauts yeah. 2 is so good. It's so good. So did good. you play Psychonauts 2, Hoke? You know it has a great story, right? I did play Psychonauts 2. I only got about halfway through. I, I'm not a big... I, I don't vibe well with Tim Schafer's modern comedy. Mm. What? Okay. Damn. All right. Uh, Knights of the I Old Republic. Speak, so. I'll tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> nice of the old republic we're going, is a classic we're going to a mixer ign uh double fine mixer but you can tell him i i helped kickstart broken age i'm i'm a fan of his i just i haven't liked the modern stuff as much so did i hope i have the t-shirt and everything i still have my copy i did um, not to my to his face <laughs> uh kotor is a legendary game uh one probably my favorite star wars game i would argue remembering that i'm not a gigantic star wars nut but uh, i adore that game kotor Pre- is the best mass effect game obviously <laughs> that's it's got a fair uh prey is legendary to me too it's the closest thing we've gotten to bioshock and especially once you add moon crash to that conversation as a package uh, i adore prey i think it's a brilliant brilliant game um and then you already said borderlands 2 i think borderlands 2 to your point is the perfection of the shooter looter genre uh i still think two is better than three um and really? two also had uh also had one of the best expansions of all time an assault on dragon keep um, but it's just a game that is just again a lot of memories for me and my family. And also, a fantastic and story, like surprisingly good. Story yes, surprisingly game. good. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're going back in time, Hogue. We're moving on to yours with the notes. Hogue's notes are back. Saying, I supposed to send pictures? I, I don't. Yeah, I put I put the link to the site where you could do that. Oh, sorry. Where you can create? No, it's fine. It's no big deal. I uh, saw yeah, pre- I saw prey on your list, so you're forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, unlike, I think, some other approaches you might take to this list, I certainly wouldn't claim this is the best games ever. I basically tried to put representatives of all of the systems and eras and types of games that I like. So at the top, my favorite game of all time is Star Control 2, which, if you aren't familiar, is a way, way, way back progenitor to the star fields of the world where you find yourself with Earth captured by evil aliens and you're the captain of a ship and have to go around to all the different stars and assemble an alliance to fight for the freedom of Earth in a comedy format that Travis would probably love. But Star Control 2 is fantastic. It still plays well. I think you can still play it for free. I think they have it open source on the internet still. But Star Control 2, I highly recommend. Final Fantasy 6 that you see there is Final Fantasy 3 for main list. That's the same game. Yeah, uh, that's one of the best RPGs ever made. Witcher three, yep. we know Witcher three. Alan Wake, we've talked about. Travis doesn't believe it holds up. Alan Wake's one of my favorite games of all time. Gameplay <laughs> doesn't hold up. Alan Wake almost made my <laughs> list because its story is so damn good. One of the best stories in gaming history, I would say, as well as the longest journey. One of the things you'll see on this list is that I love narrative and I, I really go for theming and role playing in kind of like the purest sense, being in a role in a video game. The longest journey is an adventure game. You'll also notice from its position by Alan Wake that I apparently like Norse storytellers. It's from a, a company <laughs> uh, that made a number of games for Funcom before going off on their own and making Dreamfall chapters. And you might know some of these things that are in the Longest Journey universe. But it's an adventure game with a kind of common conceit of a, a magic world and a not magic world and coming together and problems in the Chosen One and these various things. But it doesn't play out how you would expect. And I think it's one of the best adventure games ever made. The Anno 1404 is my representative for the Anno games and strategy games on the computer. It's one of my favorite genres. We don't talk about it much here. But Anno 1404 is my favorite of the Annos. This is essentially setting up a little town and getting all the resources correct and then going and finding other islands and competing with people for other resources to make longer and longer economics chains to keep your people happy and get them more wealthy and get your get your civilization better off. <laughs> so if you don't know I, Anno, I, I couldn't recommend the Anno series more. I love them. Hey, Hogue, is there, not to interrupt you, is there a better way to present this? So, like, can we, uh, I'm going to play around for a second, guys, here. Hold on. I don't want to do that. Hold on. Well, if you, if you pick one of the options that puts the that puts the presented picture on the side, you should That's be what I'm trying it. to do, yeah. So, like, like, that one should work. Let's see. <laughs> Um, there's a way to, no, you don't want to do that. Uh, yeah. I just want to see you, Ains. Yeah. You don't want that, please. I just want to see his reaction to all of your games. Hold on. There we go. I should be able to present my window. And there we go. Oh, okay. There we Thanks, go. Try that. You got it. You got it. Now we can see Travis gr- uh, grimacing at all your picks. My writing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Colony Wars. Okay. So Colony Wars, right? So in the, in the deep dark era of the PlayStation, there used to be a little bit more imagination and a few different types of games. So Colony Wars is a science fiction space shooter game, which you'll also see represented on this list a couple of times because that was one of my favorite genres before it died. Um, and then Resident Evil 2, which is the best of the Resident Evils. And Resident Evil only kind of went off the deep end and went a different direction with Resident Evil 4. So I'm glad we're done with that remake so we can get back to Resident Evil-ing. Uh, okay. Final Fantasy 7. I think everybody knows at this point, and certainly we didn't get a chance to talk about the Rebirth stuff, but maybe we'll talk about that next week. Uh, Wing Commander 4 is another space simulation game. 
uh, starring Mark Hamill and Tom Wilson of Back to the Future Biff fame. Um, but uh, it is one of my favorites. And that should I should mention that's another theme you'll probably see is that I, I like the full motion video era. I like some of the ways that they were incorporated uh-huh. into games in the 90s. So, and so you'll see me represent so that tap. more than others. So I loved I love Wing Commander 3. I don't remember 4. I thought, wasn't 3 the pinnacle or did 4 kind of top it? You'll see Wing Commander 3 later in the list. Wing Commander 3 is the end of the Kilrathi War. Okay. Wing Commander 4 uh, is dealing with the aftermath of that and has a better plot line, in my opinion. Certainly has a higher budget. Okay. Um, XCOM, Terror from the Deep. You'll note the hyphen and between X and Com, it's the old XCOM. The original version <laughs> of XCOM, it's the second game in which the aliens attack from under the oceans, which I really liked. I also found scary. Was one that worked for me. Soul Blazer is a is a Super Nintendo RPG that is different than anything that we have now. Basically, Soul Blazer and Illusion of Gaia were both kind of in this Illusion slot. Of Gaia, yeah. Um, as being really imaginative in Soul Blazer, you jump into people's minds and have to help them through whatever trauma they're experiencing in JRPG form. Nine 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 is my entry into the visual novel side of things, despite mm-hmm. Travis's admonitions that Ace Attorney is the best story in visual novel history. I think Nine 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 probably is. Nine 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 is a DS game. I think it's also available on like the Xbox and the PlayStation now, but I highly recommend it. I don't think I've ever even heard of it, to be honest. It's with a you. good game. It's yeah, part of the Zero Escape series. Good, good okay. games. Yeah, if you're looking for it on the Xbox or the PlayStation, I think it's under the title The Nonary Games. I think it's the first two games in the series. Okay. Uh, um, Shadow of Destiny is a game nobody remembers except me, I think. It was a Konami release that had you jumping backwards and forwards in time to solve uh, to solve a series of problems that you were having in a village. I don't want to give any more away. I mean, it's only 28 years old or whatever. <laughs> I think it's called something else in Japan, too. Um, it's okay. Uh, Fantasy Star is like, I don't know, 35 years old. So, <laughs> Yeah, Fantasy Star is a great pick. I probably would have picked two out of Fantasy Star. Two, t- uh, two almost made my list. Yeah, classic. Uh, the Horde is a kind of early real-time strategy game in which you build mm-hmm. up a village to fight off a monstrous horde that comes and attacks every once in a while. It has full-motion video interstitials starring, I think, like, I want to say Kirk Cameron. Um, Kirk Cameron, as he tries to take over the kingdom and fight against an evil <laughs> Viscount. Oh man! Um, Shockwave Two Operation Jumpgate is the second Shockwave game, which was popular at the time. Uh, Shockwave Two. Can I can it, I put one one thing I notice? Yes, Hogue. If you want to end up on Hogue's best games of all time list, give your game a subtitle preferably a long one if there's lots of like jargon in there it's lots of words uh, you know numbers followed by an additional (laughs) subtitle on it really just like make it as yeah that's that's a pro tip out there of devs well i wanted to flag games that people (laughs) might not know about right and so operation Jumpgate is the sequel to a game (laughs) in which you fought off an alien invasion of earth much like independence day had a lot of had a lot of kind of transmedia inclusion of radios and television uh, of fighting for various cities around the world. And then Operation Jumpgate is you find a way to go across the solar system and, and fight the aliens on their own turf with, again, as much 90s cheesy full motion video as you can stand. Uh, but I really liked it. Civilization 4, I really wanted the Civilization to be up there. I love the Civilization games. And okay. 4, I think, is my favorite. 
TIE Fighter is my Star Wars representative here instead of KOTOR. It was my favorite Star Wars space combat game. game. They made a bunch of those back in the day. TIE Fighter, X-Wing, TIE Fighter versus X-Wing, all sorts of the games. But TIE Fighter was my favorite. And I think it's probably the only piece of Star Wars media still that treats the Empire as a serious concept and like why people would ever fight for the empire versus just kind of like mustache twirling evil. That doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> Wing commander three, we talked about that's kind of the Classic. pinnacle of the Kilrathi war. Wing commander was a very popular series back in the day. Eternal darkness. We talked about last week. Yeah. Which is a resident evil esque survivor survival horror game in which you ultimately start fighting the old ones of kind of Cthulhu mythos or Lovecraftian mm-hmm. mythos. Uh, Space Quest 4, I really wanted a Sierra game to be on here. The yes. questions were very formative for me. Space yep. Quest 4 is the one where you travel through time and go through various different Space Quests that don't exist in order to solve a problem. Uh, and that was my favorite. That's an adventure game. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis is what was between this and Secret of Monkey Island for me from the LucasArts. L- Lucas kind of Arts, yeah. Old school games. This is my yeah. favorite of the LucasArts games. Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, I would argue, is better than at least the last two Indiana Jones movies. Age of Wonders 3 <laughs> goes back to kind of the strategy game side of things. But if you like high fantasy and magic and strategy, it's my favorite ever. Prey, Ains talked about, but Prey, I think, is probably a little bit under the radar as one of the best kind of immersive sim shooter games of all time, especially with Moon Crash. Yep. And then Mission yeah. Critical, I got to believe, is an adventure game that no one has heard of at this point in 2023. That, again, features a lot of full motion video, this time starring Michael Dorn, who, who those of you might remember as Worf from The Next Generation uh, and has a plot line that I'm not going to ruin even this many years later that is still with me today that I love to death. So my list is basically things that I think people should know more about and that are representative of things that I love the most about video games because I didn't think that I needed to tell anybody that Super Mario World is awesome. And that's not to take away from <laughs> either Travis or anything else, but that was my thought process in making the list. Yeah, I like that our lists say, you know, favorite games of all time, and Hoag's list says simply Hoag in all caps. <laughs> it should have an ED at the end, yeah. Hoag. I mean, look, that's not false advertising. That is that if you were like, what is this list? Even if you removed the title and you made me guess, I would have been like, this list is Hoag. It's Hoag. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, um, shout out to Space Quest. Um, I'm kind of shocked that i forgot to put a king's quest or space quest game on mine uh yeah for, i love I've king's quest formed a lot of my youth one of the first games i ever played was king's quest one uh which i've told a funny story about before but um amazing games also i also like the new king's quest a couple of years ago i thought that was a pretty damn good return oh, download it never played it but i heard it was good oh it's yeah. good dude and I love the episodic format that they did. I, it yeah, was I fantastic. And I, I I sent an email to the makers of that game because m- me and my daughter were having such a fun time with it. And they sent the nicest note back. Nice. I, I, always, I always loved that. Yeah, Very cool. I would also point out, I was t- kind of going while, while we were all talking, you know the only game on all three lists is Witcher 3. Yep. Yep. Like Undeniably we share, you know, we share a bunch of, two of us have a bunch of different games, but the only one on all three is Witcher. <laughs> So yeah, Hogue went rogue. He was doing he was doing the assignment, and then he got to like four, and he was like, you know what? <laughs> well, <laughs> top five is, is my top five, right? Like that's uh, the one that I always tell people. And then it yeah. was, what do I what do I want to share? Yeah, the top five, top ten is a lot easier. Once you get to twenty five, there's so many interchangeable games. Like I moved in and out 
Um, yeah, there's so many, uh, so many other ones I could mention. Uh, we do have a late super chat here. Actually, we have two. We have well, we have a super sticker. So console peasant, five ninety nine euro super sticker with a, a Shiba, In- Shiba Inu, I believe, one. saying number yeah. one. Console peasant, thank you, appreciate the support. And then uh, Sid follows up with hundred rupees. Says just a fun follow. What's a new genre or game type you recently got into? Ooh, that's a great question. How yeah, recent? Because, like, I would say VR is kind of recent for me. It's the last couple of years I've started to get into VR games. Yeah, um, that would be me too. Genre game type. Um, hmm. God, I play everything, man. I feel like I've, I. It's a point of pride for me that I, I try to play every single type of game. Um, yeah, I think you, you're looking at three people, Sid, that play a lot of different genres to begin with, right? Um, oh yeah, Romance and Brains. That's a great one Ro- for you. I did you play Romanceovania. Yeah, you start playing a romance sim, a dating sim. I'm deeply into cooking and time management games right now. Okay. Nice. And that's what um, he's not even talking about games right now. He's just talking about his life. (laughs) Really into cooking and time management. What was that family uh, cooking game that came out a few weeks back on Game Pass? Um, Oh, oh, the the Indian one? Yeah. It's supposed to be very good. Yeah, my fiance is playing it. So she likes it. Like Heibu or something. It's, It's a word I don't recognize. Yeah, I didn't know if you played that one, but one to think about. So, all right, gents, I think that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for the day. Um, I think, uh, on terms of uh, what's coming on the SG side, so like I said, my Phantom Liberty review is up. There are no spoilers either in the video nor the written review, so you can feel free to check that out. In fact, I would, it wouldn't let you. Uh, I would encourage you to check it out. Helps us out, of course. Uh, Cast Co-op, me, Joe, and Luke did finally record after nine weeks. We went back and looked. Nine-week hiatus. We are back. Uh, That show is up on SG channel as well. You can check that out. Just a lot of conversation, honestly, about just a bunch of games. We were trying to catch up on a bunch of things together. And then a bunch more reviews coming. I'm actually starting a new review this week, which I'm super pumped for. I can't say it yet. Um, And then uh, we will... (laughs) Yeah, you guys know what it is. But we will have... um, Assassin's Creed Mirage and you know there's a bunch of games obviously uh, into into October that are going to be big so we'll be covering all those. Do you have to say it like you're introing Aladdin? Mirage. (laughs) (laughs) Hoag what you got man? Yeah uh, you know one thing I wanted to note for folks is I won't be here next week. Um, I've got another I've got another meeting that uh, conflicts with this, but it'll be a pretty exciting announcement, I think, when I can talk about it afterwards. So I'll mention that when I get done. Um, The other thing I wanted to tell folks is that if you want more of my thoughts on Alan Wake, I did a spoiler cast with the Last Stand Media crew. um, And that's available, I think, on their their side of things. I think it's paywalled still. It might come out of the paywall at some point. I'm not in charge over there. Uh, but if you want to hear that, you can hear, I think, two and a half hours of me waxing philosophic about why Alan Wake, in particular, its writing is so great. Um, so I'm I'm over there doing that. We're doing Hangouts and Headlines every week now, and virtual legalities pop up from time to time. So if you're interested in those things, follow me on Twitter or X uh, and on YouTube at Hoglaw, and you can see all the stuff I'm doing. Appreciate when you're talking that, about the game is the only time that Alan Wake's writing is great is a true sentence. Yes, well, Alan Wake as a fictional writer is not a good writer. That's you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is funny. Yeah, Alan Wake's writing is great, and then you see Alan Wake getting all excited. Yeah, you see Alan Wake getting all excited. Did somebody say my writing is great? We're like, no, we're talking about the game, Alan. Sit down. (laughs) Not talking about your writing. 
Uh, no, no, uh, I make that point on the spoiler cast. So there you go. You yeah. can check that out, Travis. It's kind of amazing. Um, We're one month away, by the way. One month. I am so two. excited. I'm probably not going <laughs> to review it. I yeah. But anyway. um, yeah. <laughs> what, what am got? I working on? Isn't it good uh, that you're not going to review it? Isn't it better? That's true. It that's own? true. Yeah, I get to play it on my own. My own. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm very excited for that game. Uh, my next review is The Lords of the Fallen. Yes. Two. Uh, I'm getting <laughs> Don't you code. start. I think I'm getting a code early this week or middle of this week, and I'm just going to run through it. So that'll be a while. I assume the embargo is not going to be until like you know second week of October or something like that. Uh, maybe even later because I think it comes out mid October. Probably day or yeah, day or two before release, probably. Yeah, right? yeah. So it'll it, it's going to be a while, but that's what I'm going to be busy with. Uh, and then in the meantime, I've got two previews I still can't talk about, which is unfortunate. And then. Um, uh, yeah, I've, I've been on some shows. I was on the Iron Lords show this week to talk about game reviews and how they work and why you shouldn't be mad about other people's scores. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that's that's it. I'm working on stuff, but a lot of it I can't talk about right now. Cool. And Yeah, we'll uh, talk yeah. more. Good times. We will talk more next week when we're able to talk about more things. Hogue is out next week. Dan is back next week, so we'll be a trio again. We might have a guest. We'll see. But either way, we will be back in the same time and place as always. Chat, you've been awesome today. Thank you so much. Appreciate all of you guys hanging out with us as always, as as do we, the audio listeners who are catching up with us later. Uh, like I said, a lot of uh, like uh, follow-up viewers lately. Like our, our metrics on people watching the show later after it's live are higher than they have been maybe ever. So really cool to see. Thank you for that. And uh, just appreciate it. So for then, Hogue, we will see you in two weeks. Chat, we will see you next week. Hope everyone has a great week of gaming. Enjoy Phantom Liberty. It's awesome. I'll say it again. And we will see you then. Peace.